Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I gotta, excuse me, I gotta, big sales! I gotta get the fire hose going. <laughs> I may have to put some fires out today. Or start one. How you doing? Hey, I want to thank everybody that's coming aboard with us right now. Um, I want to thank you for this. Over, almost over a half a million people heard our comments or saw our comments yesterday about the Dallas Cowboys. Okay? Look at this right here. It says 479,000 people have checked out the National Football Show. James, Tone, Xander, Big Joe, the entire network. Almost a half a million people. Half a million people care what we say here on this show. You should take a bow. You should take a bow. You are blowing this bitch up. Hey, look, okay, you know me. Um, I've been doing this a long time. People know me. They know I'm not a journalist. But you guys, let me let me tell you how important all of you are to this show. You think those radio hosts that are on at WIP or the Fanatic or like superstar talented guys, they're not. What makes those stations great are you. You make stars. You make them. By choosing who to watch and who to listen to and who to bitch at. Oh my God, I could never do this without you. Hey, it's one thing to sit in a forest and scream at yourself and no one hears you. You know what I mean? And then you think, one thing that... One thing that this platform has taught me, Tone, everyone, Xander even said it. You know, I used to sit behind a microphone for 25 years and think what I was saying and what I was thinking was important. Come to realize it wasn't. That's why sometimes peaks and valleys in the ratings. I know what you want. Barbershop talk, twist, amen, right on, bang, arm wrestling. You guys are killing it. Thank you for bringing me along. I mean that, man, with all my heart. I can't tell you how I appreciate this and how you're dragging the show into being a relevant show and not only just Philly, but around the country. Who in their right mind puts up 500,000 views on a comment And our guy, James, who's spectacular, our IT guy, according to my source, who's that, my mom? (laughs) I mean, according to my source, 500,000 people care what I say. Excuse me, what we say? 
I just wanted to give you guys kudos right out of the gate. Oh, and by the way, enough gratuitous backslapping here because you know what we got to do. We got to go back to being the way we are because I can't give you too much love and you can't give me too much love. Cue ball, one of us, one of us. Dude, we're in this bitch together here. Nobody has a better show than what you guys are doing here. And I don't say me. I never, ever. Th- we have a phenomenal team. You, Tone, James, Joe, Xander, the whole network. I'm very, very impressed. I never. Do you know how long I fought this format? <laughs> I want to do radio. Radio. Don't call me for that shit. I have no interest in it, especially when you see companies filing pretty soon for bankruptcy. I won't say which one, but when you get delisted, I was a stockbroker, my friends. That's not a good place to be. When you get put on the penny stock issue, that's not where you want to be. My man, what up, maniac? Seals, we love to hate you. Ain't that Philly? Even Angelo says, how in the world have you not been in a number one chair in this city? You can't hire a guy like me. So I give Joe Krause the Stundines and Xander. This guy's got Stundines. Coolions. Cannolis. That's how you make this baby work. All right. Yes, sir, baby. Oh, Tone at 3.30. Maurice, the legendary voice of the Eagles, 4.30. And the man who was 7-1 last week versus the spread, the Philly Godfather, at 5.30. We don't put bums on here, man. We put winners on here. 7-1 versus the spread. Go get him, Philly Godfather. How you doing? Yes. Yes. Oh, would you like a little more? Because since we know the media turds watch the program, would you like a little bit more insight in what they're saying about your secondary? Wait, I'll wait until we get to my prediction, which will be here in a second. I heard something on the show before us, Sports Take. And the guy that they had in from uh, Dallas. Is it true Dak Prescott's never thrown a pick in Philly? I thought he was a turnover machine. Ah, Not against you. That can't be trusted. Yeah, but he can against you. That guy's never thrown a... He's never thrown a pick in Philly. Dak Prescott's never thrown an interception versus the Eagles in Philadelphia. How you doing? Holy cow. 
He's never thrown an interception at Lincoln Financial. Hey, man, Dak is him. <laughs> at, least, at least versus the Eagles. That's what makes this bad puppy really good, man. Look at Devin. Yet. You know what I love about this? There is no way on the planet that all the, hey, by the way, all the Philadelphia Dallas Cowboy fans, I'm going to say this to you. You better not show up at that place come Sunday afternoon wearing cowboy gear. You might get your ass kicked. That ain't a place you wear that shit in. See, the Eagles, to me, what I've learned over the last two and a half years to that community in Philadelphia, you know what I've learned? It's civic pride. That is your number one civic pride identity. That's why you protect the brotherly shove. It's civic pride in what you guys have and what you're going to do on Sunday. A game like this, is it bigger than any other game? Yeah. Stop lying. Nick, do me a favor. Act like your quarterback. Instead of a school teacher or a cheerleader. Stop. I saw a quote again about Gainwell. You know why he's my number two? Because of his body of work. Holy cow, can you please shut up? your mouth you say the dumbest shit his body of work just get the hell up from the press conference like Jalen did laugh and walk away just shut up more fans would have more respect for you if you just got up and shut the hell up hey you want to know about Jalen Hurts' knee ask the coach he'll tell you just shut the F up, dude. You, you, you just make it obnoxious when you open your pie hole. I can't believe a guy defends more shitty calls and more shitty players than I've ever seen. You don't need, it's pro ball. You get paid. Guy sucks, call him out. Guy plays well. What do you want? Pat's on the back. You're an NFL player. That's the, oh, really, it's really one of the only criticism is, is about Nick and the way he does his bedside manner. He's such a politician. He really is. He's a politician. By the way, I think that's probably an issue in Sunday's game. Him being a coach that can't coach. And his players are better than, hey, would you not agree, Sunday? The players are better than the coaching staff. They went in spite of that staff. They went in spite of them. In Pittsburgh, they win in Pittsburgh in spite of the quarterback and the lack of talent. Did you see Mike Tomlin coaching his freaking ass off last night? Holy cow, is that guy a great coach? Mike Tomlin is such a freaking great coach. Man, would I, if all the NFL head coaches, Mike Vrabel and him, I would want to play for. I would totally want to play for Mike Tomlin.
That guy gets it. He knows what he's doing. He'll see a deficiency on his team, and he'll coach around it. He is so good, man. And by the way, you think that guy makes excuses? You see him when there's a there's a video clip of him getting Marquise Pouncey's ass because he jumped off sides, and then he started pushing a guy, and he got a 15-yarder. And he goes, he paraphrasing here, he's like, hey, man, this is bigger than you. Look at me. Look at me. Right there on the sidelines. He didn't care who was listening. Look at me. Huh? Where are we going? You're better than that. You're like this. He'll put anybody on blast. Doesn't matter where. Sideline, locker room, practice field. I love that guy. Sirianni wishes he could be a coach like that guy in Pittsburgh. Okay? Honestly. Mike Tomlin's a hell of a coach. Love the way he does business. Dak has never thrown an interception. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Man. How you doing? Okay. Let me see some. Before I put the numbers out here, give me some scores that you think. Give me some scores. Let me see what my score is. Up oh, there it is. Right there. Josh Sweat had a pick six. In Philly? Dak has never repeat NFC division. And neither was Jalen. Eagles better, better team. Top to bottom. Facts. You were against the Jets. You were against the Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, can you put that super chat up for me? Um, tone, please. 3027. 4121. That's 41.16. Dak said he's basically Pooh Bear. Pooh, honey, on me. Are we still talking football or rainbows and butterflies? Brotherly tough. He he owns you. He's eight and three. You can't beat him. 38-35. Jalen's knee brace. All right, let's get into it. Here's how your boy Big Sills. You went to the Super Bowl last year. Congratulations for your silver medal. You, you didn't validate it. Great. You wear that NFC championship ring around in pride. Go ahead, dog. You wear that, you wear that NFC title ring around in pride. You know, you should take a lot of pride. And those Andy Reid rings. They should be calling those things in Philly the Andy Reid ring. All those NFC championship game appearance rings. Oh, he got AFC. He got NFC championship game appearance rings. He's only got one of them things. Those are called like the Andy Reid silver medal. Participation rings. 
You got a participation ring. Congratulations to you. Those second place rings are awesome. <laughs> uh, I didn't get an NFC championship ring. That's BS, Howie. <laughs> yeah. When's the last time Dallas has been to one? Absolutely true. Those guys talk more shit than you. <laughs> All right. All right, here we go. One of the great rivalries in the NFL. Eagles 7-1, Cowboys 5-2. Would we not agree? Here, I wrote these down. Are these, are these like the last truly great rivalries in the NFL? Um, I wrote these, I wrote these rivalries down. Green Bay Bears, Ravens Steelers, Cowboys Eagles. Could you put another one in there? Could you put another rivalry in those three? Cowboys Eagles. I see. I don't think Cowboys and Redskins slash Commanders anymore. I, I I don't think that that Raiders and Chiefs. I think that's gone away. 49ers and Seahawks. I used to think 49ers and Rams. Niners, Cowboys. Yeah, I, I think so. Niners, Cowboys. Yeah, okay. Niners, Cowboys. Yeah. Falcon Saints, uh, wake me up when that game's over. Giants and Patriots, eh. Eagles, Commanders, I don't think so. Dolphins, Bills, no. No, I, I, no. Dolphins, Steelers back in the day. But see, those, those rivalries have not withstood the test of time. These rivalries have withstood the test of time. Packers, Bears, um, Ravens, Steelers, Cowboys, Eagles, Niners, Cowboys. I agree with that one. Those, those have stood the test of time. Bengals and Chiefs. Now, that, that's what you're saying. LJ, I like that. It's up and coming. Yes. See, but what I'm saying is, this Philadelphia Eagle-Dallas Cowboy rivalry. Hey, can you guys ever remember in your life when that game didn't matter? Do the records really matter to you? That, to me, is what a rivalry is. Like, I don't give a shit what your record is. I want to beat you. You know what I mean? Like, you don't really care what the records are going into this. You care it's the Cowboys. Just so happens you're both good. Right, which adds more, it adds more fire to the matchup. Right, so it's truly one of the really endearing and lasting rivalries in the NFL. It really is. 
And of all, get this, Ravens and Steelers is kind of new. The Ravens are kind of an expand. Well, kind of because they were the Browns. And now the Browns, actually the Browns are the expansion team, believe it or not. And the Ravens are the old Browns. You know, that Bears and Packers go back to the founding of the league. Niners and Cowboys have been good for a long time. Go back to John Brody even. But Eagles and Cowboys, man. Do we not agree it really started with Vermeil? Yeah, 49ers and Rams. Raiders and 49ers? Well, I don't know about that because they're in the proximity when they were in Oakland and San Fran. I covered both teams then. Kind of. But it's that thing's out of gas when it comes to the Raiders. Right? This, do, do we not agree the Cowboys and the Eagle rivalry really picked up steam? I'm going to ask Meryl Reese this. What, what, was there a lot of steam prior to Vermeil with Cowboys and Eagles? Or was it under Dick Vermeil when Dick was the guy that came out basically and said, if we want to be a Super Bowl contending team, we have to beat Dallas? Wasn't, wasn't it Vermeil that really kind of fueled this rivalry? Was it big before he landed in Philly? You know, as a kid growing up, to me, the rivalry – was always um, Eagles and Giants. I never grew up thinking that the Eagles and the Cowboys were your number one rivalry. I grew up as a, as a Giant guy with my family member being a Hall of Famer, thinking that Eagles and Giants were really the two rivals in the East, and, and maybe Washington. I looked at Dallas as like, kind of like the new guy. Bucks and Saints, it, it it yes yes it's 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 hung in there, JH. So so okay, Steve brings this up. It was America's team BS. Yeah, well that was um, Gil Brandt and uh, and and all them guys, Clinton Murchison and all them guys that owned the team initially. There was really a rivalry there because the Hunt family really wanted to have the Cowboys, but. They didn't want him, Clark Hunt, um, or excuse me, um, Hunt to own a team. That's how he started the AFL. Then he got the, I think they were called the Dallas Texans at the beginning. And then they moved them to Kansas City. Lamar Hunt was the guy who had the initial team in Dallas in the AFL. Old legendary ones, Steelers and Cowboys. Man, they met all the time in the Super Bowl. Those were great, but not really lasted the time you know so this this is a rivalry game that really it doesn't matter what the names are on the back of the jerseys or the coaches on the sidelines this is a generational rivalry right this is like a generational rivalry which makes it sensational it's like an old school college rivalry you don't see that in pro sports lakers and Celtics, to me, is truly a great rivalry in pro sports. Let me, let me think of that. The great rivalries in sports, Lakers-Celtics, Eagles-Cowboys, Bears-Packers, Yankees-Red Sox, Flyers-Rangers, Flyers-Bruins, Flyers, Canadians, 
right? Sixers, Knicks, that thing's lost its steam. Brady Manning, regardless of team. Okay. Michigan, Ohio State, fantastic. Phillies, Braves, yes, sir. Actually, when I grew up, real, you know who I, guys, you know who I always thought the Phillies' number one rival was? I thought it was the Dodgers. I grew up with Phillies and Dodgers as rivals. Phillies, Dodgers, Phillies, Reds. Those were the rivals to me. I really never looked at the Phillies having a rivalry with the Braves. I grew up with Phillies and Dodgers because those guys were always battling it out for the NLCS pennant. And Pirates. And the Pirates. I grew up with the Phillies battling the Pirates, the Reds, and the Dodgers. Maybe Cardinals. Okay? And and, and I grew up like in the mid like in the mid 70s. So I was in that Mike Schmidt era where you guys were kind of always battling the Dodgers. The Dodgers would always get the upper hand on you and they would go play the Yankees in the World Series and the Yankees would demolish them. I think until 81. Then they ended up beating the Yankees. I think you guys won the title in 80. That was the Rose team and the McGraw team. And I always looked at that those as rivals. This is a great week, though. It's an endearing and a lasting dynasty of rival games that you've played. Dak 8-3 and three and Tony Romo 11-8 and eight against Philly, but never won an NFC title. Eight years of Dak beating us, which leads to nothing for the Cowboys every year. Death Row, I tell you guys that your record the last couple years has not been validated. Absolutely true on Dak Prescott's eight and three. He has not validated his NFL career with a signature win whatsoever. More so than this. Maybe I'll even say this. Dak's never really, really solidified his career with a, with a championship type team. Eagles and Niners, new rival. It's new. That's a new rivalry. Sure. All right. Um. The Cowboys are coming off a 23-point win versus the Rams, whereas the Birds were in a tight one versus Washington. Do I take anything out of the previous week of games? Oilers, Flames. Hey, how about this, LJ? Do you remember when it used to be Avalanche versus um, the Red Wings? Or Avalanche versus the Devils? Those are some those are some games back in the day. Okay, when you had Pierre Lacroix, who was the uh, general manager of the Avalanche, and you had Lou Lamorello, who was the uh, architect of the Devils. Those guys put some really great teams together, man. Claude Lemieux, absolutely, dude. Pierre Lacroix did such a great job with that Avalanche team. Absolutely, just some of the best rivalries: Red Wings and Avalanche. Cowboys and Eagles, right down the same line, man. I'm still not over Detroit sweeping us. <laughs> hey, hey, man. Those, those, those teams, those teams with Steve Eiserman. Steve Eiserman is a dear friend of mine. I should post a picture so you you could see Steve uh, and myself. When he became the general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning, I became super friends with him. I, I love him, man. 
Devils and Flyers, absolutely. Scott Stevens and them dudes rolling around with the Flyers and 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 Lindros. That was the heyday of the NHL to me like that. I, I love that stuff, man. So do I take anything from the previous week, Dallas Crone, about a 23-point win over the Rams? Absolutely nothing. Um, Birds are three-point favorites in this game on Sunday. It's the game of the weekend, okay? It's totally the game of the weekend. Here, here, who, here is what we know of the Eagles and trends of what they are as they go into this Sunday game. Passing yards, Eagles, 255-1. That's good enough for seventh place in the league. Passing yards. Rushing yards. The number's consistently coming down, 132-3. They're seventh. Points scored. Eagles are 28th at second. Overall, you're looking at what they're doing, and I would make this comment to you. The Philadelphia Eagles are seventh in passing, seventh in rushing, second in scoring, and I would say this. They're probably playing 80% of their best football. They're, they're not playing, in my opinion, because of the turnovers. Turnovers in red zone, in my opinion, are the only thing stopping this offense from being a consistent unit where you fear it every time they take the ball and every time they get into a huddle. Because I look at this, I look at Jalen, and this offense will make a mistake. We're also going to add something to our conversation today here in a second. Here's who they are on defense. The Eagles are one of the worst pass defensive teams in the NFL. And last week, because of the Sam Howell performance, they were kind of trending up, but they went the other way. They're 26th as they enter this game, giving up 247 yards a game, almost 250 yards passing a game. They're number one in the NFL against the run, 65-5, exceptional. Here's something else to think about. Points allowed. The Eagles are 19th. So you have one of the worst pass defenses in the league and one of the worst scoring defenses in the league. That's not a remedy you want to go with going into a Cowboy game. Your pass defense is not very good and your scoring defense is not very good. You're giving up 21-5. You're 19th as you go into this game. And I'm going to show you on the other side with the Cowboys and what they're doing here now. Here are the Cowboys. Passing offense, 220. 16th. Middle of the pack. You're not going to beat the Eagles with an average off. Well, yeah, you can. Because the pass offense is better than the Eagles pass defense. So you make those numbers look better. They've got more talent in the passing game than you have in your past defense. Remember what I told you? It's about matchups. That's a matchup that favors Dallas. You're 26th out of 32 teams. Okay? Dallas is in the middle of the league. In offense, that's advantage Cowboys. It's kind of who you are. Rushing yards. You know, this number's not that awful. 
You're averaging 132. They're averaging 117, almost 120 yards. You're averaging 12 more yards than them. They're 11th. They're almost top 10 in running. That's not awful. That's enough. That's enough. Just like Sam Howell needed. Just enough. You don't have to go for 120 yards against the Eagles. You need about 90 yards against them to keep play action and keep that secondary back under heels again. The points, to me, for the Cowboys are not a real number because they're doing a lot of this with pick sixes and defense. So when they say 28-1 and they're eighth, I would look at Dallas. I think Dallas has red zone issues. And when I see that they're scoring as many points as the Eagles, I don't believe that. I, I, I don't believe they get the ball in the end zone like the Eagles do. You know what I'm saying? I look at that 28 points, and for some reason, I want to say the Eagles are, or the Cowboys average like 21, 19, somewhere down there. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I just don't look at that and go, I don't know if I watch a Cowboy game and go, that's a high-scoring offense. Here's who the Cowboys are on defense now. So the Cowboys are fourth in pass defense, giving up only 178-6. There could be a part of your game right there. Here's the other point. Through these trends, you see an approach and an attack. The Eagles have to look at this number. The Cowboys' rush defense is 108.9. That's 18th. Why would you want to throw the ball against the fourth-best pass defense in the league where you're looking at a team that's down in their 20 in rush defense? Points allowed, 17-1. They're fourth. What's that mean? They play great red zone defense. Okay? They do a nice job at red zone defense. I think Dan Quinn's a heck of a coordinator. I really do. At home, the Cowboys offense averages 32 points a game on the road, 21. I just don't really think that team gets the ball in the end zone, Tone. I, they just don't look like a high-scoring offense. And when I see 28 points, I'm like, really? I could really? I, I, I don't know. You know? So... When you look at this, when you look at these trends of what these two teams have done to get to this point for Sunday, the Cowboys defend the pass exceptionally well. They're high in turnover takeaway. You know the one thing I, I hate that stat. Because you know why? Do you know what is takeaway? What is the takeaway stat? How, what does that mean to you? I think it's luck. I don't I, I I think I think it's luck. I don't think you can build your team around interceptions and potential fumbles because that's like you're waiting for the opposing team to make a mistake and you capitalizing on it. What what if a guy like Sam Howell doesn't make a mistake? So your game plan was hoping he turns the ball over? Well, that's not a plan. That's wishful thinking. 
Okay? Sam Howell was on pace. And now he's on pace to get sacked 90 times. You got home once. Well, that trend went away. They had more rushing yards than you. That trend went away. He did make one mistake. That's why the game was close. If the Cowboys are building their defense on takeaway giveaway, you're not really building your team on solid stats. Solid stat is number one against the run. Their solid stat is their fourth and pass defense. Those are those are stats that you build your, your team around. Okay? So, I mean, here, throwing the ball against the Cowboys, why would you do that? Why would you do this? Because the Eagles want to. You've run the ball, as I told you yesterday, only 23 times in the first half in the last three games. If the, if, if the Eagles come out against the Cowboys, Hurts will turn the ball over. I don't want Dallas scoring first. Okay? Because you're not a balanced unit right now. And that means the propensity to have to throw the ball more, I think that the Eagles coaches will panic. So to me, I want to see a drive like New England to open the game. Maybe you take the coin toss. I don't know. And you inflict your will immediately. The worst thing you can see in this game is if Dallas gets a lead and the Eagles have to come from behind again. Okay? Dak's never thrown a pick in Philly. He's not Sam Howell. He'll beat you. Okay? He'll beat you. So you got to be careful in how you go about your game. I'm not saying conservative either. You've got to look at the numbers here. They're 18th in run defense. Be patient. Just be a little patient. Hey, win first and second down. Dallas is going to try to do everything they can to win first and second down. If you pick the Cowboys, the chat will write, hang in there. I'm getting there. Okay. Okay. This is where I see the score, and this is how I see this thing playing out. I got the birds winning this 24 21. Um, I thought it was going to be more of a 35-31 game, but then last night I don't th- I think both teams are going to be a little conservative. And they're going to try to make sure that they don't This is going to be about turnovers as it always is. Okay? This is going to be about turnovers. If Jalen Hurts has the ball in his hand with the last minutes of the game, the Birds win that game. If Dak has the ball in his hand and you're going against the worst, one of the worst pass defenses in the league, you know, you guys, you know, I I, I heard Mark Farsetta saying this too. Dak's not a turnover machine this year. Jalen is. 
That's not true. Jalen Hurts will have more turnovers this year than what Dak will. They're kind of limiting him in turnover opportunities. They're kind of doing something what they're kind of doing up in um, Buffalo. They're limiting his turnover opportunities by not having him throw the ball in high percentage turnover plays like they did a year ago. Mike's kind of keeping him more in a box than what they were doing freelancing. And 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 I'll make this point to you about, about Prescott. I think under Mike McCarthy that here, I think under Mike McCarthy, and this is where I think Jalen Hurts has actually struggled this year. You may disagree or not, but look at the turnovers and look at the overthrows. I think Dak has done a hell of a job this year on off-script plays under McCarthy versus what Hurts has done off-script. Okay, you see some turnovers on off-script plays that the DC or the OC, you know, when he goes off-script, um, there's turnovers. I think Dak's done a better job of that this year for him. Now, is Jalen is kind of tightening it up over the last month? Yeah. He's closing that gap on mistakes. I think he is. So I think they're becoming more in tune with one another here as we get into this. Okay, I do. I think I he's coming. To, look, can Prescott play any better? I don't know. Can Jalen? I think there's about a 20% margin. He could play 20% better football. That's scary. But the problem you have in Philly is, for some reason, their ideology now is not to run the ball. And so what you're doing is you're asking him, you know, I got to say, I don't know if I totally disagree with what they got. If you got Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard and you got A.J. Brown, would you really want to just rely on Kenny Gainwell and DeAndre Swift consistently on your football team? See, to me, what I think happens they, they think DeAndre Swift is – they'd rather have him involved in the passing game than in the run game. And that, to me, is why the carries and the yardage when – when you guys have fraud numbers in rushing. You've built them off of two games. You're not really a running team anymore because the quarterback's not. Sills, Swift is fourth. Off of two games, you've played eight. Shit, you've been outrushed in the last three. How could you call yourself the number two or four running attack in the league when you've been outrushed in three straight ball games? And you keep telling me you're the best O-line in the NFL. Well, you ain't acting like it. Or they're not utilizing it. They'd rather have them. Hey, and by the way, I think the Eagle O-line is better in run in the run game than in pass protection. Quarterback's been hit more. Well, there's more opportunities in throwing the ball. That's the point John McMullen makes all the time. Follow the money and investments. A.J. Brown, Goddard, Smitty, Jalen. This is their offense, not Gainwell and Smith. And it, yeah, well, that's why everyone's been bitching. Why are you, why would you establish guys who are the lowest paid guys? It's a fundamental 
thinking process. However, I don't think you have the same running talent in the backfield as you did a year ago. I just don't. In my opinion, now I know why the Lions moved off of DeAndre Swift and went with the running game that they have now. He's not a real big-time back when it comes to running. His versatility is great. But him as, how could you be a big-time back and you get taken out in scoring position? Is that a big-time back? You think you take Emmett Smith out on the 20? Adrian Peterson? You think you take big-time backs out? You're not taking Christian McCaffrey off the field on the 20 to put Kenny Gainwell in. I mean, the only reason you do that is because you don't have the faith that he can hold up down in there. It's great. I mean, think about it. You guys keep telling me how great and I actually like the way the players played this year, DeAndre Swift. I, I, I don't really don't have a problem. I have a problem kind of how they use him and how they think about him. More so than what his production is doing. Rocksteady goes like this, so what? Then you don't – that's why you're struggling down there in the red zone. Okay? And that's why you don't have balance. You don't have you don't have balance because they don't have faith in anybody to run between the tackles. So you got to throw the ball, which means what? More opportunity for turnovers in a game like this against a fourth-ranked pass defense in the league. And number one turnovers and takeaways. That plays into the Cowboys' hands. So you guys go like this. Well, roster-wise, Sills, we have the we have the talent. Compared to Dallas, yes. But do you have the philosophy and do you have the coaching to understand and to weed through this on how you have situational play calling in this game on Sunday? Look, I don't question the roster of the Eagles. I question the coaching staff's approach to how they want to beat the Cowboys or try to play the Cowboys on Sunday. My biggest problem is game plan. What game plan will you have on Sunday to counter the things that Dallas does against your strengths. Their strengths match your strengths well. Do you guys have a good passing offense? They have the number four passing defense. So that's kind of an equal. Will you be patient enough to run the ball? You're not, though, because the last three weeks have dictated, and that's a trend that you don't want to do that. So to me, I want to throw the ball at Goddard here. Make, make a high percentage passes for Hurts. Block and release. Block and release. I don't think the Cowboys have a linebacker that can block him or stop him. I, I just do not believe the Dallas Cowboys have a linebacker that can defend. I think there's more of a mismatch with Dallas versus Goddard than A.J. Brown versus the secondary of the Cowboys. I think there's a bigger mismatch with the tight end. The fascination with Gainwell kills me. He's just a non-productive guy, and he's a horrific blocker too, nasty. Goofy locker room, politics at play. I don't know, man. I mean, I, it sure seems it. Forcing his RB by committee approach is foolish. Yeah, again, but that's a money trail like John McMullen talks with Tone. 
That's a money thing. Eagle linebackers, no money. Eagle running backs, no money. Eagle safeties, no money. And isn't it funny? Every one of those positions this year are some of the issues on the football team that we question going into each and every single week. And when you get subplay by your corners, then all of a sudden everything gets accentuated more. And everything gets brought into perspective more. Think about that. Look at the money positions. Has, has the right guard been a problem? Probably. Probably not spoken enough. Your run game's been affected the last three weeks. Has your linebackers being able to cover people been a problem? Yeah, you didn't want to spend any money. Have your safeties, you had to go get. And you didn't spend a ton to get Kevin Byard in there, but that's okay. But you went and got a guy because you didn't have a guy, So, which meant this. You didn't address it. You really you addressed it in the draft, but realized the kid's not ready, Sidney Brown. So you had to go and make a trade because you knew what you had on the roster wasn't good enough. Yeah, I, I, I'm a Sidney Brown fan. I think he's going to be a fine ball player. I think he's going to be a really good ball player in two years. You need a guy on Sunday. Now, look, again, 24-21 birds. If this was in Dallas, I might have it opposite. Because of what Tone said, they play really well at home. Um, Dallas's offense is better than your past defense. Facts. Eagles like balance because the rushing scheme was built on the threat of Jalen running. Relative, absolutely true. They've taken they've taken part of Jalen's game away from the approach of how they go with situational play calling. And either by design or injury, he's not running. It's both. And preservation. That's what they're doing, too. They're trying to preserve the kid. Because they want him playing 17 ball games. Didn't we all noticed it when he wasn't hurt when he was pre-sliding? Hey, you know, Tone, remember after the New England game? No one wanted to address it, and all of you thought I was making it up. So is he like protective sliding now? And no, everyone kept going, yeah, no, no, there's nothing. Oh, I completely think now that that was a preseason decision by the organization and by the coaching staff that Jalen Hurts, they were going to try to limit as much contact with him as possible. And there's no question that you have a quarterback now that refuses to get hit because he's been told. I don't think Jalen likes playing like that, but hey, I mean, he's a coachable kid. He's going to do what they say. All right? I'm, it, 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 he's been protecting himself all year. I, I'm not thinking that's a bad idea either. Despite the injury, Hertz is going through on evaluation evolution we have to accept it and ride the way that's right that's right and, and, and there's no question listen for them to get their investment out of those number one picks with Devonte trading for aj and the money you're paying both aj brown 
and the money you're paying Goddard. To sit there and focus on Gainwell and Swift as a focal point on moving the sticks for you is absurd. Okay? It's absolutely absurd not to utilize because why pay Jalen 50 million bucks? I could Tyrod Taylor to do that. And I could pay Tyrod 18 to do that. Okay? So what they're doing is because the kid has shown that he can't – here, I'll tell you one thing that has been the biggest surprise in two and a half years of Jalen Hurts' growth as a quarterback. You know what it is? What's the number I keep hanging on? What's the number that I keep hanging on? Nothing to do with his passing yards. Not really anything to do with his turnovers because there's more volume. Okay? The only number that I care about Jalen Hurts' development – Okay, is that he's showing you he's accurate. You can develop accurate quarterbacks. You cannot develop non-accurate quarterbacks. Sam Darnold can never be developed. Why? He's not accurate. He wasn't accurate at SC. He was a turnover machine at Southern Cal. That will never turn around for him. He is not an accurate guy. Okay? And what I mean by accurate, I'll live with the picks. I'm not going to live with 60% completion percentage, 61, in a league that if you're not above 65% completion percentage and you're not completing almost seven passes out of every 10, you can't quarterback for me. You've got to be accurate in today's NFL. The game is too wide open. You know, it's funny. That's why you go with more pocket passers because they tend to be more accurate. Why? Okay, simple. When a dual threat guy starts to get banged on like Cam Newton, by the end of the year, these guys are worn out. Passes sail high, passes are low. Because you're getting beat up on and you're starting to flinch in the pocket. Guy goes at your, do you know that defensive lineman? I've told you guys this before. Do you know when you get towards the end of a season, you know what your D line coach will say? Dive at his feet. Cause you know what that quarterback will start doing, especially a guy like Sam Howe later in the year. He'll start doing this looking like this. What happens? Pass goes high. I'm not saying you don't even have to hit him. I'm not saying take a cheap knee shot. Just go down because after a while, he gets antsy in the pocket. And that guy will go like this. Ball's high. That's how you have a turnover. passing. That's how you get a pass intercepted. It was something that was taught to us all the time. Roll around. Make him have to move his feet. Get him off his spot. These guys who get hit a lot. Hey, do you know, you know one of the best pass plays? I saw last week was by Joe Burrow. Who'd they play? The Niners? It was the Niners. They had him dead to rights in the pocket. He rolls right. Mistake by the Niners and Steve Wilkes. You want Burrow rolling left. He rolls right. He gets annihilated, completes a pass down the sidelines, as accurate as you can get. That's one of the best passes of the year because he got destroyed but he held his water 
and his toughness. Here's a guy that was hurt all month and a half. Bengals look like they're rolling again. That's going to be some ball game, man. Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow Sunday. Holy shit, that's going to be a great ball game. Okay? Sills, how about it? That, that was just a sensational throw. And guess what they're now doing in Buffalo? They're now, hey, and you know, it's funny. Tone was talking about developing Jalen. Look at what they figured out now. Do you know that they are going through so much trying to figure out how to keep turnovers down with Josh Allen? So you know what they're doing? They're going no huddle. They're speeding the sequence of plays up. You know what Ken Dorsey, I'll tell you flat out. Do you know what Ken Dorsey told me they're doing now? Instead of these complex, listen to this one, Tone. Instead of these complex 3898 black scissors, cross, wedge, block, release, sideline, third. Instead of doing all that shit, they're putting the blocking assignment now down into the old lineman and taking it out of the quarterback's cadence. And on the play call, you're taking about four seconds off. Why is that important? Bill Walsh told me the more seconds you have to process the information in front of you, the more you'll see the game. Those John Gruden play calls that had like, like it, it was like something out of a symphony from Beethoven that you had to like talk in the huddle. By the time you got to the huddle, there was eight seconds left and you had to go with quick count. What happens when you go with quick count? You know what D-linemen are told? Hey, it's going to be on one. It's going to be a quick count or on one or two. You're not going to go hard count because you don't have time to go hard count. You look at the clock. You don't listen to the guy. He's down to three seconds. He's got to snap the ball. Can't go hard count on three seconds. That's what the linebackers behind you are saying. Three seconds, three seconds. Three seconds. He can't go hard count which means you give me the advantage on the snap on, on on the snap and that means I can guess on the snap and get around the horn and sack your quarterback this is all playing out in front of us with some of these guys this is what Jalen's going through too there is so much it is not easy playing that position how we saw what happened with Wentz injury wise when he paid hurts he's probably made the coaching change hurts his game coaches change hurts his game the style is holding hurts back yeah but hey listen death row if Jalen Hurts has to take two steps one step back to take four steps forward and you're seven and one and dude trust me there'd be more of a issue in that eagle office right now and in that coaching staff if you guys were five and three and he was going through all these turnovers. The only thing where people are okay with what's going on, that you can defend Kenny Gainwell when you're seven and one. You can't defend Kenny Gainwell when you're five and three and he's fumbling and texting, right? Right? That's that's an easy cover because you can't bitch at the coach. Or what they're doing with Hurts. In a game like Dallas, I think all the shit that he's been going through right now, Car 
all the things that Carson Wentz went through that couldn't process, he couldn't process it. I'll tell you one thing that Carson Wentz did in Philly that is pretty much like what went on in Buffalo and now in Kansas City. I can't believe that that guy threw for 4,000 yards and you didn't have a wide receiver with over 500 yards in catches the year he did that. You don't have anybody over 500 yards and he threw for 4,000. That is remarkable. I looked that stat up. I couldn't believe it. I mean, Carson Wentz had 4,000 passing yards and that one receiver on the team had a, had a thousand yards. Okay. Who was he throwing to? That that is a quarterback carrying your offense. Okay? And, and and then you know what happened to him? I'm gonna tell you flat out. The organization tried continuing to evolve him, and he couldn't evolve. And the league caught up with him just like that. And to your point, Death Row, they're not gonna allow that same mistake to happen to Hurts. So they're they're evolving his game. Turnovers are going to be high. You're going to, I'm going to accept all the turnovers on the planet right now from Jalen Hurts as long as you're seven and one. Okay. All right. I am totally going to live with that. Okay. Nobody had a thousand yards in the wide receiving core that year when he threw for four grand. You listen. I'm not telling you that Wentz is better than her. I'm, 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 I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that was pretty – that was one of the better passing seasons in Eagle history with what that guy did that year as his game was continuing to evolve. And after that year, it went downhill massively because he couldn't evolve his game. Look, they're trying to do the same shit in Buffalo. Here, I'll tell you what they're doing in Dallas with Dak right now. They're rolling him more. They're doing more intermediate passing. They're not putting him in positions for high turnover plays. I would bet you this, that Dak Prescott is going to have maybe one of his lowest attempt years, and that's going to bring that number down. But, hey, would you rather have 40 touchdowns or would you rather have a guy have the best season in his career at limited interceptions? Did you know through eight games, the Eagles have ran less than 40 RPO plays? He made his $50 million a year off the RPO, not off of what he's doing now. Last season, they were guaranteed to run at least 15 to 20 RPOs in a single game. It completely changes the entire integrity of how you go about your game. And see those stats right there? It tells you why you're in every game now. You're not worse. They got a different approach in how they're approaching the game and how they're elevating or trying to elevate Jalen's passing. They want Jalen to be a passing quarterback. And there is nothing around it. Jalen Hurts didn't get paid for Jalen Hurts right now. He was paid off them RPOs and how he ran that offense. Now, you got a different guy almost. 
you got a higher turnover guy, and you're going to have to learn to see how this – I don't know how this is going to play out. You're 7-1. and one. Absolutely. So the Eagles right now are sitting here going, you know, we have a lot of turnovers. And our, we don't have a lot of balance. But we believe we have a kid who's evolving into being like Russell Wilson was in Seattle early. Only difference was they had Marshawn Lynch up there. Marshawn Lynch, and I say this to you all the time about Russell Wilson, when Lynch left that team, the Seattle Seahawks and Wilson were never the same. They were never the same football team. Because, and, and, and to go along with that, what are you doing? Through, see, look at what Seattle did in that Super Bowl versus the Patriots. In the in the angst, Seals, do you think the Eagles play Nolan Smith more instead of Barnett to get a little more pressure on Dak? Adam, we're in week eight of the season now. I surely hope we get to see this kid a little more on the field. I mean, it just seems that they don't trust him, right? If you don't see a kid playing, it means they don't trust him. Um, remember in that Super Bowl? They it was like a Seattle Seahawk priority from John Schneider and the front office to make it a priority that Russell Wilson was the star. So with first and goal, with seconds left, they throw the ball, the kid gets the pick instead of turning it around and handing it to the best player in the offensive huddle, which is Marshawn Lynch. He'd have scored easily. You win your second Super Bowl in a row, and you beat Brady. Instead, throw a pick. Why would you do that? Because you, you're, you're steadfast at wanting to break away from the run game. That is philosophical in-game situational play calling where you don't have your shit together. Shit, you even had timeouts. Even through, even though they lost the Super Bowl and we don't make excuses for that, Hertz went 27 to 38, completing 71% of his passes. I think that was a nail that told Howie he can pass the ball. We just have to learn, lean into it more. That's the, the longevity of it. I get it, a tone true. And and I would think this. If now if you, you, you do the evaluation on it and you look at it and go, okay, Kansas City's corners, not bad. Young, but not bad. He was really good in that game. He, he But can you win a Super Bowl not having balance? I don't know. Jalen Hurts, I, I I said this a couple weeks ago, and I'll say it again to you guys. I feared last year's offense more than this one. Hey, before I get to a timeout, are you too dependent on A.J. Brown? Is this Eagle offense becoming too dependent on one guy? And if you say no, everyone else's numbers are down. Are you becoming too focused on one guy? 
you go with what works. That's not what they're doing this year. That's not what they're doing. A.J. Brown has been the focal point every single game since week two. That's not true. What works was last year. That's not what they're doing this year. Do you know that I think Devontae Smith this year is getting collateral yards off of what A.J.'s doing in particular games? I don't really think that he's relied on a lot like A.J. is. They're dependent on him. Jalen has become dependent on him. It's You're seven and one. Is that a bad thing? Can you become too dependent? Hey, get this. They moved Tyree Kill in Kansas City because maybe they thought Patrick Mahomes become too dependent on Tyree Kill. Moved them, won a Super Bowl. Offense broke all kinds of records last year. They were developing a kid, forcing him. Hey, do you understand what they did to Mahomes last year? They made Mahomes, without putting like a study clause in his contract, they forced him to study the game more because he had to spread it around more because Hill wasn't there. And you just can't have Travis Kelsey. You've got to make the other guys. Isn't it a brilliant approach what Andy did? You got rid of one of the greatest deep threats in NFL history and forced your 50 or $500 million quarterback into being more of a student of the game. That's coaching. That's coaching. Think of that. They took Hill off the team, won a Super Bowl. He became more, and he even said it. I had to become more of a progression reader. Progression reader. I had to understand more about where guys were open and pre-snap, pre-snap reads on where I thought the ball would go. He said that. Okay. Kansas City got better getting rid of Tyree Kill. That's how you develop a quarterback. So, one more time. Has this Eagle team become too dependent on one guy? You think you could win a Super Bowl? Hey, you think you could win the Super Bowl without A.J. Brown on the team? On a one-dimensional offense? You're not one of the better running attacks in the league right now. I care what your number says. Your last month says you're not. Shit, the commanders have outrushed you in both games. I wouldn't think that they got a great old line. You had AJ last year and lost. So you think you can win a Super Bowl without AJ? All right. Be something we hit on a little bit. Don't forget, my guy Tone's going to join us at 3 30. Merrill Reese is going to join us at 4.30. Philly Godfather was 7-1 against the spread. 7-1 last week. He'll be with us at 5.30. Absolutely. Last chance to qualify for our, our great giveaway 
merch and also a chance to win some gift certificates. It's the 40th anniversary of Hooters. And right now in November, it is happy wings giving from all of our friends at Hooters. The iconic Hooter girls are going to be here to tell you that without a doubt through the month of November, they are going to have specials each and every single day for you guys. And you're going to enjoy these so much every Monday through Friday. You're going to love what they're doing for you. Ice cold Coors Lights, $2.99, 25 cents will also go to local charities with each and every single purchase. The Hooter calendars 2024 are out. $100 in gift certificates are inside the calendars too. I was a judge for a couple of those calendars. Absolutely awesome. NortheastTutors.com. That's NortheastTutors.com. Lunch specials, Monday through Friday, 11.30 p. through 3, boneless wings, happy hour, Monday through Friday, 4 to 6, Six items, six bucks, simple as that, right? Get the fried pickles. You'll absolutely love them. Seafood, seafood Sundays, half price. Love the buffalo shrimp. Military Mondays, 20% off our great men and women who served in our, our military and for our country. Tuesday, you buy 10 wings, get 10 boneless free. And, of course, the legendary Wing Wednesdays, 1983, all you can eat. Kids eat for free on Saturday, northeasttutors.com. That's northeasttutors.com. And don't forget also, you'll see the code word that's going to be thrown around um, throughout the next four hours of the program. All you do is email us, dancilioshow at gmail.com, and we will announce your name on Monday, uh, Football Monday, after coming out of the Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles weekend, man. That'll be great. There it is right there, dancilioshow at gmail.com simple as that we could possibly be naming your name on monday hit the like button keep it here on the national football show and Hooters, the perfect pair. You own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. 
and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, Blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. National Football Show, please hit the like button. The segment with my friend Tone will happen here at the bottom of the hour, 3.30 Eastern. Also, Merrill Reese will join us at 4.30, the legendary voice of the Philadelphia Eagles. And Philly Godfather will join us at 5.30, 7-1 versus the spread last week. Um, I heard something that was one of the most preposterous things I ever heard about Jalen Hurts. I, I, you know, it's crazy how people sometimes use an athlete or sports to like to make money off them. I mean, and wishful thinking on hoping he doesn't do well. I, I I have never done that. I've never hoped a player does worse or less. I just cover up what the athlete does. Does he get better? Does he get worse? Does he continue to evolve? That's why my 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 shows are not where you I don't even remember what I said yesterday. I, I really don't. I've always lived that way. What's a player doing today? Is he better today than he was yesterday? Um, is he, is he becoming a champion? Hey, do you know what the narrative was for Michael Jordan? How long did it take Michael Jordan to win, um, an NBA championship? Nine years. Do you remember what they were saying? Wasn't it like nine years it took Jordan to win a, win a championship? Am I wrong with that? Or was it six years, nine years or six years? It took Jordan. Remember what the narrative on Jordan was scoring champion. They'll never be magic or Larry. Can't win titles. You're yeah, you can score a lot of points. But they looked at him like he was George Gervin or somebody. You know, they never looked at him as a champion. Nine years it took him to win a title and change a narrative of him being a champion. Now that's all you look at Jordan as. That narrative changed on Jordan. Nobody thought he was going to be a champion. I wonder if Jordan even thought that. But it took a coach to go in there and convince him. So 
what that's kind of what I've always been in how I done. I heard Skip Bayless say this about Jalen Hurts. And I'm going to tie this in. Do you know this is what he said? He goes, it was talking about Dak versus Jalen this Sunday. And his first comment off the top was, you know, um, Dak Prescott versus Jalen Hurts, I got to say, I really don't appreciate and I didn't really respect Jalen Hurts leaving Little Wayne's agency for clutch sports. You know, my first thought was, what's that got to do with Sunday? But because that guy gets Little Wayne on his show and he puts those nobody rappers on that nobody knows who they are. At least I put Ice Cube on and Luther Campbell. At least you guys know who they are. He puts people on I've never heard of. I got more followers than some of the people he puts on. And I'm like, so you cut a financial deal to make an assessment on Jalen Hurts' play on Sunday because he he left Little Wayne? What in the world did that have anything to do with Sunday's matchup against Dak? Did he not just sign a $50 million contract? Got a bag of money up front? Nicole did a spectacular job. Little Wayne? No, thank you. I want a professional. Nicole with Clutch is becoming one of the biggest agents in the world. She's got almost every single superstar young talent. What's her last name, Nicole? She is spectacular. And you know why she's spectacular? Because she does it. Nicole Lynn, that's it. Hey, do you know why she's spectacular? There's no noise. That Quentin Williams contract, I didn't know that they were going to make him that kind of money. And that's that's her guy also. She does things quietly, professionally, no drama, stays out of the picture, wants nothing to do with it. And she's all there for the player. And the player's brand. But you got sports guys saying, starting off a conversation about Hurts as a negative because he left Lil Wayne because Lil Wayne it must have cut a deal with Fox to put guys on so he'll come on. That's not evaluating or giving a true assessment because, get this, it, it, it's it, to me, you're, you're – it, 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 your your takes can't be taken serious about Jalen Hurts because you 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 got a you got a motive on not to root for him now because Little Wayne he dumped Little Wayne. That just doesn't make sense. You got a motive now not to really cover him fairly. And of course, guess what? He says that Dak's better, and I'm like that's. And I'm like this, dude, Dak has been in the league longer, makes it so that Dak Prescott has more of a sample size for you to criticize than what Jalen has. Do you know the one thing that favors Jalen Hurts in this argument here? That there isn't a gigantic sample size. You know the one thing you can't do is put Dak Prescott's record of eight and three and apply that to Jalen at all. Because you know why? He's had more opportunity. He's been in the league longer. I think this is his ninth year. Okay, great. So get this. 
You beat Dallas and no one else. At least Jalen Hurts lost to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl in Arizona. I mean, look, dude, I'm not trying to make second place look any fancier. You know I'm not. But when you start talking about how you start a conversation out with an athlete and you have a conflict of interest in how you cover him because he left your friend's agency and you think that applies to Sunday's game, you're off your rails, man. And, and there lies the problem with many people in our media. There's, there's an agenda. That's why we don't have an agenda here. I want great content. I, just, I mean, I heard that and I was like, what is not what what is dumping little Wayne for Nicole Lynn have anything to do with Sunday? All right, let's bring our friend Tone in here on a football Friday. We get ready for Cowboys and Eagles. He was already stoked. Excels, how we doing, sir? I'm surprised we're not seeing a ton of Eagles. There it is, Hurts hat. All right, Hurts season. I got yes, it. We're sir. ready to rock here. Yes, sir. We keep it modest today. We're going to go crazy on Monday after the win. After? That's what we're okay. doing. Okay. Okay. All right. We keep it in mind. We keep it in modest and humble today. How about this? But you notice I'm wearing all black, right? I see. Somebody it. going. Somebody. Some. Somebody. Somebody's going, going to die, die on Sunday. Sunday. Some, somebody. How about we put somebody it in the on Sunday. like this? Somebody's pride's going to die on Sunday. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's, I, I, I think that pride rests in Dallas. So, uh, listen, man, this is going to be an exciting matchup, man. This is what football is all about, man. This is what football is all about. Like, let's really think about this slate that's coming up. Eagles, Cowboys, Bengals, Bills, Chiefs, Dolphins, um, Seahawks, Ravens. Come on, man. This is this, this is storybook. This is what the game's all about. How about Dak never throwing a pick in Philly? Hey, cool story, bro. Doesn't mean nothing at the end of the day. <laughs> okay. Then you tell me. 20, you... 20, 22 and 2 don't mean nothing either. Okay, so, oh, no, you, know, hey, you know what I mean? Wait, so, hey. Look at what he just did there, guys. He turned my 22 and 2, nothing. Okay, 8 and 3, never throwing pixels, nothing. Okay, way to go. You see what he just did there? That was a kind smack in the face. Like <laughs> it here. Tone, all right, how do you see this thing playing out on Sunday? I think this is going to be a very, very entertaining game, man. I think it's going to be hard fought, a hard fought, going to be gritty, going to be tough. I think both teams are going to bring their A game, but I think ultimately the Philadelphia Eagles are going to win. I think this is a game where, shockingly enough, this is going to be the second game of the season where the Philadelphia Eagles don't don't turn the ball over a single time. I believe I believe that's going to happen. I understand the Philadelphia Eagles do have a propensity to turn the ball over at least once per game throughout this season. They've only had one game where they haven't, and that was the Washington matchup. But there's something different in the air right now. And I feel like I feel like this whole team, this entire roster, Jalen Hurts, all those guys, I think they truly understand the assignment and what's at stake here. Um, the Dallas Cowboys, their team, um, especially their offense, they really depend on that defense and that special team to put up points. I don't think that's going to happen on Sunday. It's something that you can't really hang your hat on. It's something that's so fluky. Um, I understand Deron Bland leads the league in pick sixes. He has three pick sixes, three pick sixes this season. I respect that. And uh, they got some guys back there that can make some plays. Totally got to respect what they have on defense. I think they're more so led by their defense than their offense. Um, but when you think about it from this perspective, that Cowboys offense, I think they average about 37 points per game, at 35 points per game at home. They only average 21 points per game on the road. That's a 16-point disparity. I don't really like how that looks. The Philadelphia Eagles, in terms of their scoring at home versus away, um, there's an eight-point 
uh, disparity. So the Philadelphia Eagles are relatively more consistent than the uh, than the uh, Dallas Cowboys in comparison to home and, and and on the road. So I just think the Philadelphia Eagles, they you know they're they're more they are a more pure scoring offense. Cowboys they depend on so many bells and whistles to help them get to the finish line. The Eagles get a lead early, and that's going to put that's going to put Dak Prescott on the clock. I think the Philadelphia Eagles win this game, 31-24. The numbers on points, I agree. I think they're, I think they're misleading because there's been a lot of points scored by the Cowboys. Uh-huh. And I've always said this too. I don't know why the offense gets credits for pick sixes. I, I, I just, I know that it turns, it changes possession, and right. you become the offense. So I get it. But really, in theory, I look at that number twenty-eight one. They're eighth. That's misleading. I think they're more around fifteenth in scoring. However. Here's where I do. I think they have the advantage in this. Even though they're not putting a lot of passing yards up, they're in the middle of the pack at 15th. The Eagles are 26th in pass defense. Almost giving up 450. So remember what we said, Tom. This is about matchups, not so much about talent here at times. Absolutely. This is more about matchups, and that favors the Cowboys, in my opinion, that this is going to come down to schematics, coaching, in-game situational blitzing, are you going to press? Are you not going to press? So when you have – the Cowboys have the advantage there. I think the when Eagles are better. it comes to passing better, versus pass defense. I, I, I definitely agree with the notion that the, the Philadelphia Eagles pass defense has been a liability for most of the season. Um, the numbers don't lie. They're giving up a lot of yardage. Um, but I look at it like this also, right, from a situational perspective on both sides of the ball for both teams. From a situational perspective, I think the Philadelphia Eagles are more are more hardened um, situationally. Um, they're a better team on third down. They're better on fourth down. Um, they play better. I mean, um, not just play better, but they they actually are a team that doesn't get rattled or shaken by being behind, even if it's double digits. We've seen that throughout the season. So they're a team that, regardless of the circumstance, you still got to play sixty minutes. I don't believe the same notion for the Dallas Cowboys. You get you get the Dallas Cowboys down by ten points. 14 points, you're going to start to see Dak Prescott start to unravel and turn back into a pumpkin. That Arizona game comes back into focus when you're down 10, in my opinion, when you're the Cowboys, whereas you're behind a couple times the last couple weeks and you're Philly, you're more comfortable with that as a team. I wonder, though, if you're going to be that way as a coaching staff. Here's another concern I have. Agreed. When they say that the Eagles are seventh in rushing – I, I think that's misleading. I think you've built those numbers off of two games because the last three trend games, you guys have been outrushed. I mean, the commanders have outrushed you in both those games, and I wouldn't consider that a high-powered offensive line or a high-powered running attack. And you're going against the 18th um, best rush defense in the NFL and the Cowboys. My opinion, I don't think the Eagles are 18th or in the middle of the pack in rushing, but I think that seventh number – is a little bit closer down to the 11 and 12, which makes that stat closer to me. I think it's misleading to think that the Eagles are a running attack. They're not. Yeah. Uh, we, when you think back to, uh, you know, to the earlier matchups, the Vikings and the Buccaneers, things like that. Um, those were their biggest rushing performances. So how long ago your, was that Tom? That was like, uh, that was several weeks ago. Um, so to your point, um, the rushing numbers are misleading because over the past three weeks, they haven't really run the ball that well. Um, I'm curious to see what's their plan with the running game this week. Uh, but overall, I do think this Philadelphia Eagles team, I do think 
they are one of the better rushing teams in the NFL. I'm not saying they're the best because they haven't really shown that on a consistent basis because they don't really commit to it that often. But I think having that have, having that skill set in your back pocket, having that ability to sustain drives, move the chains, win on third down, all those things, I think that bodes well for what the Philadelphia what the Philadelphia Eagles do. And look, you know, we talked about this, right? Um, the reality is, you know, we're watching this offense trying to evolve into something more modern. You know, last year, you know, they filled like the Philadelphia Eagles, even though they were balanced, got a lot of flack for not really having a modern offense, right? So I look at it like this, even though they have turned the ball over more of this season, you know, what comes with the, you know, you know, if you, you know, you can't, you can't just, you can't catch a fish and just catch it without bones, man. Sometimes you get the eggs, sometimes you get the shells, sometimes you get both. You dig what I'm saying? So, yep. you know, at the end of the day, um, when you pass the ball more, uh, you're going to turn the ball over more. I think we're watching this offense literally evolve. Um, I mentioned to you in the private chat, they, they've run significantly less RPOs this year. Um, Jalen Hurts has been banged up, so he is, so they're not really running him. In a lot of different situations that like they normally will last year. I just, you know, I just think we're seeing the Philadelphia Eagles trying to, you know, move with the times and uh and really uh, elevate this passing attack. You got AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard out there. I mean, how can you not be enticed with passing the ball? So um I have to check my own biases, right? I have to check my own ego in terms of what I'm used to. Um, I'm used to a hard-nosed, blue-collar, muddy, muddy style of football in Philadelphia. I gotta check that. The reality is Philadelphia Eagles got the talent to be able to run with any team in the passing game. They just got to lean into it and continue to nourish it. Brotherly tough. I do believe that the playbook is going to be thrown completely at the Dallas Cowboys before the, uh, before the buy. Do you think that the Eagles are becoming too dependent on AJ Brown? No, because at the end of the day, um, he's your number one heat. He's your number one target. He's your number one receiver. He's your most explosive weapon on the field in terms of size, physicality, speed, hands. Um, he can do it all. He's like the perfect combination of Dallas Goddard and uh, and Devontae Smith and all their best traits. Um, Dallas Goddard with the size, hands, so on and so forth. Uh, Devontae Smith with the route running, uh, the hands, uh, the elusiveness, the speed, so on and so forth. So I also think about it like this, right? Um, A.J. Brown, he has 83 targets on the season, you know, through through the past eight weeks. He has 83 targets on the season. Devontae Smith has 57, right? Jamar Chase for the Cincinnati Bengals, 85 targets. Tyler Boyd, 44 targets. And then this is the next guy, right, in terms of target order. Where's T. So, Higgins on that? Uh, T. Higgins has 42 targets, right? Okay. So so Jamar Chase has more targets ha, ha, has more targets than Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. Well, he has the same amount of targets as Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins combined. Uh, Take Tyler, a look at Josh Allen, I bet you, and Diggs. That number's even wider with their number two guy. Yep, Stephon Diggs, 90 targets. Gabe Davis, 47 targets. Um, Dallas Cowboys, CeeDee Lamb, 56 targets. Uh, Michael Gallup, 35 targets. Uh, Detroit Lions, Amon Ross St. Brown, 78 targets. Sam Laporta, the tight end, 59 targets. Los, uh, uh, Los Angeles Chargers, Keenan Allen, 74 targets. Next closest guy, Joshua Palmer, 39 targets. So I don't really lean into or buy the notion that they're too dependent on A.J. Brown. All these quarterbacks in the NFL have their number one guy. They have their go-to guy when things get tough. They have their go-to they, they have their go-to guy when things get rough. So this is what happens when you, especially all these guys don't even have an AJ Brown type, right? AJ Brown, six weeks in a row, uh, over 125 yards receiving, broke Megatron's record, arguably the most explosive receiver in the game right now, next to Tyreek Hill. How can you not feed that guy? So I'm not leaning into the notion um, that they're too reliant on him. Um, if you really watch the games, um, especially in the past couple of weeks, 
it's not like they're throwing to AJ Brown every single play, right? You know, uh, on on uh, AJ Brown's on one of AJ Brown's touchdowns drive, they went back to they went to Devontae Smith back to back to back. You know what I mean to move those chains. So um, I think it all depends on the situation. I think AJ Brown is just your game breaker. He's your big play guy. He's your security blanket. It's the name of the game in the NFL. Everybody got they one. Everybody got their number one. Everybody got the number two. It just so happens that the Eagles have an extremely talented number two, um, unlike those other teams. So that's how I look at it. Okay. Well, if you're going to go with the number of, of targets to him and you're going to limit yourself in running, don't you become predictable? Isn't every other offense predictable? But well, by that, why your turnovers are high, that, and that's that why that your logic. games are close. I mean, like everyone you're else, right? Like everyone else. Well, it's, it's the name of the not game. everyone else because you're turning the ball over more than everyone else. Fair enough. Fair enough. In terms of interceptions, Jalen Hurts is tied with tied with um, seven or eight other quarterbacks in terms of interceptions. Go fumbles. I think fumbling that's the real issue. Um, he has he has to get the fumbles in order. I think he's thrown eight interceptions on the season. Um, if you hey, and for the number, record tone, I'm yeah. I'm long as he's still around 70, 68. Right. I'm gonna live with that yeah. too. Just yeah. I'm making I, a conversation here. No, I'm, yeah, for I, sure. I'm for living sure. with that. I, and, and the thing is, you have to because you know the reality is, I'm looking at you know I I've been watching a lot more a lot more games this season. You know, sometimes you get so caught up in the rabbit hole of the Philadelphia Eagles. I've been watching a lot more teams this year, and I'm seeing these I'm seeing these quarterbacks lean on their guy. Especially, especially on like those third down situations, or when you need a big play, or you know, at the end of the day, AJ Brown is AJ Brown. I mean, how, again, how can you not feed the guy? You know, um, I'm looking at this offense right now, and I wouldn't necessarily call them predictable. I just think they're going through an evolution, and we've seen these other quarterbacks in the league. They they came into the league for the most part passing the ball. That's been their game, right? Um, but Jalen Hurts, TCP, you know, he's been a dual threat guy most of his career. He's trying to transition into being a guy who can be elusive, can brick the pocket if need be, but he's trying to be a more prototypical um, passing quarterback in the pocket. Um, I look at this offense and I say, and me and John talk about this all the time on football 24-7. We do that show about three times a week. And, you know, he says it all the time, and I tend to agree. This isn't a pass first offense. This isn't a this isn't a running first offense or A.J. Brown first offense. This is a Jalen Hurts offense, and they go as he goes. But they're evolving it into not running anymore. I mean, you, you know, when people tell me that it's still a balanced offense, and I'm not saying you, right? And I and I look at what they've been doing the last month. It's not true. They are more reliant on throwing the football, which is going to. And by the way, you're right because you got to start taking advantage of the of the NFL. You got to pay your high paid guys. I don't want to establish the Andre Swift. I don't want to establish. Kenny Gainwell. I don't care about those two guys. Okay. I care about Swift more, obviously, because I think he's effective in the pass game. But at the end of the day here, okay, you paid that man because you ran those RPOs to a point where he was almost undefensible last year at times. So what you've done is you are now changing off of what you bought at the, at the showroom. And you're trying to do something and change him into being something that why would you go away from success tone to try to get into something else and think you're more successful? And the reason I think that it's kind of they're they're there with this right now. And the only reason they're there is because they're seven and one. Because if they were five and three, I mm -hmm. think that a front office would go back more to RPOs. 
Well, you know, success doesn't always mean you're growing, right? You know, you can have the same recipe that you put up for years and maybe you still have your same customer base, but is your company really growing? Are you really taking things to the next level? So, you know, no one's saying necessarily change your recipe, but we're saying add more things to the menu, right? And I think that's what the Philadelphia Eagles are doing. But they're um, taking one of the items out of the pot. As far as the what, the RPO? Because they they, 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 they still they still run the ball. I'll put it to you this way. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles right now, in terms of rushing attempts per game, um, they run the ball 32 times a game. Um, in terms of passing attempts, they pass the ball 35 times a game. So relatively, they're still they balanced. They ran the ball 32 times against Washington? Against Washington, I can tell you that right now. Against Washington, they ran the ball a grand total. Give me one second here, sir. All right, against Washington. Where are you? Total plays, passing attempts, rushing. Okay, so they ran the ball 29 times against Washington. Okay. Washington Washington ran the ball 16. I'm sorry, 23, okay. 22 times. Okay. Washington ran it 16 times. They passed okay. it 38 times. How many to- how many carries did uh, Hurts get in that Washington game last week? In that Washington game, Jalen Hurts only had four carries. DeAndre Swift had 16. Kenny Gainwell had two. On one so of maybe them, what I'm saying more so than anything, it's not that they're not running the ball as many times. Jalen's not. It, it's how it looks exactly because it's Jalen not running it. Yeah, because last season, our, our last season, Jalen Hurts averaged. Oh, this this is this is a good topic we're talking about here. I'm glad you brought this up because you know it, it, it puts things in perspective in terms of how the Philadelphia Eagles ran their offense last year, right? So let me just go here, team stats, and look at last year, right? So last year, and we talked about this before, Jalen Hurts averaged 11 carries last year because he ran it about 160, 170 times. Um, he averaged 11 carries last year, so keep that in mind. Um, last season, the Philadelphia Eagles – here we are. Give me one second. Sorry about this. That's all Russia. good. All like right. So, all right, so in 2022, in 2022, the Philadelphia Eagles led the league in rushing attempts per game with 33 – Point with 33 attempts, right? Remind you, they're they're running the ball 32 times a game this year. So, but other teams are running the ball more. Um, but they ran the ball 33 times last year. That was the team average per game, 33 attempts per game, right? Jalen Hurts averaged 11 attempts per game last year. You take away his 11 attempts, that's 22 for your running backs. So, I mean, they're not necessarily doing anything different. It just looks different because the running backs aren't as productive from the running game as last year, like a Miles Sanders was. So it's, it, 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 just, it just it just it just looks different. Is Jalen getting the same volume of attempts that he did a year ago per game? I think they've gone down because of the knee. Because let me look at oh, it because like the last three weeks. I mean, they've only rushed him. Especially if, okay, then if that's the case, then it's situational play calling going on here. That's what I think. Because as well. get this: in the last three weeks, the offensive coordinator has refused to get the offensive running attack going. Okay, so in my in that Miami game, so we so. In the Washington game, he ran the ball four times. In the Miami game, he ran it 11 times, right? Granted, total attempts for the team were 34 rushing attempts. DeAndre Swift had 15 versus, versus Miami. Kenny Gainwell had eight. So, again, that's that's exactly all. So, when you put Kenny Gainwell and DeAndre Swift's attempts together, that's 23 attempts. That's exactly on par for what they did last year. Remember, Jalen Hurst averaged 11 attempts per game last year. So, having 11 attempts in that Miami game, then you, then you add in Swift and Kenny Gainwell – that's 23 attempts plus Jalen Hurts' 11. That's 34. So the Miami game was on par for what they did. Um, you know, prior to that, again, you know, 
in the Jets game, that was a that was an ugly game. He didn't really run. Actually, he had he led the team in rushing. He had eight carries, 47 yards. So he's technically still running the ball a similar amount. I think he's averaging about nine, 10 rushes per game. Last the Washington game was the least amount of rushing attempts he had all season. Um, but he's still in the same area in terms of rushing attempts per game, 10, 11. But the year, RPOs are down. But the RPOs are down. They're they're running, a, you know, as a matter of fact, you can make an argument he's scrambling more this season rather than design because runs. Because of the passing attempts. And that's what I wanted. I wanted I wanted less design runs for Hertz, more of him in the pocket, being a playmaker. If he has to run, run. If not, throw the ball. That's what I want more from Jalen Hurts. So he's actually and that running right the there offense tells the way I want. why Rashad Penny's not on the field. Bingo. Because Bingo. he can't pass protect. Again, Wells, the worst, but he's the worst of the best. Exactly. Their best back or the best, best of the worst, I should say. You, you know, their best pass, their best pass protector doesn't even get any snaps, really. It's it's Boston Scott. He's their best pass protector. And I'm gonna say this to you, and I agree 100 percent with you. Um P- hey, Peterson Scott will never see the inside of that huddle ever again, as far as I'm concerned, man, because he's a Doug guy. And that's how Howie sees that dude, man. <laughs> okay, Peterson Scott will never run the ball here. All right, I got I got a ton more questions here for you. Oh, okay. for sure, man. We're gonna have some fun. We got some time. Let's do it, here, man. Here it's it's Dallas week, baby. Let's have some fun, man. You ready for this one? Yes, sir. Confident or nervous Sunday? You know, believe it or not, around this time, I would I, I would I would be nervous in in any other situation. You know, I, I'm gonna keep it totally honest with you, right? I would have been nervous three or four years ago, right? I would have been nervous. It's something about Jalen Hurts that brings ease to my mind. I'm 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 not even trying to spice it. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to overcook it. It's something about this. It's something about this dude where I just believe everything he says. I believe everything he does. I trust him when it matters most. And it's like, again. We lost that Super Bowl, and, and it sucks tremendously. He fumbled that ball. You can't do that. But he puts you in position to win the game. Damn, defense, do something. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I, I just look at this. I just look at this guy as, like, he's such a gamer. He's the kind of guy that you want leading you in the foxhole, unlike a Carson Wentz type character. You know what I mean? Carson Wentz is the kind of guy to go to the enemy line and say, look, I'll do this if you uh, let me get out of this, man. Jalen Hurts is the kind of guy we ride together, we die together. Bad boys for life. That's that, that's how I'm looking at Jalen Hurts. I, I believe him. I believe okay. him. Um, you had to win a 60-minute ball game. Nick Foles or Jalen Hurts? Oh, you ain't shit. <laughs> you, you, you ain't, ain't getting me there. You ain't. You ain't. <laughs> you Listen, ain't. I will say this, though. Nick Foles had one of the most spectacular <laughs> – Two game stretches I've ever seen an Eagles quarterback ever have in my life. Right, he was like Eli Manning. He, yes, that's a that's a great comparison. He had an Eli postseason Eli. Post he had a he Eli. had a postseason Eli moment, and and it just so happened he beat Tom Brady. Right, it was just it was almost storybook. But yeah, man, um, you're not going there. I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even touching that conversation, man. Because Nick Foles, that's that. That's like listen. You never forget your first, right? I will never compare any other lover I've had to my first. Never. It's not fair. Is Jalen Hurts become your favorite Eagle player of all time? Oh, he's up there. He's no, up no, there. no, no. No, Mr. Mayor. 
Is Jalen Hurts <laughs> your favorite Philadelphia Eagle football player, or does he have to win a Super Bowl if for that wins, to happen? Yes, yes. If he if he wins a, if he wins a Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts can he he could babysit my kids, man. Whatever kids I, I like, he he can he can do whatever, man. Like, listen, he could come in the crib. Listen, he got his own stuff in the cabinet. He got his own stuff in the fridge. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got his own person. He got his own personal snack corner. Hey, listen, that's Jalen Hurts' lazy boy. He doesn't sit there. No one's no one sit there but Jalen Hurts. That's Only Cowie gets his own okay? sippy cup. He gets his own sippy cup. He gets his own. He he gets his own key fob. You know what I'm saying? He gets his own. He gets his own button to the garage door. You know what I'm saying? He gets all that. If he wants the Super Bowl. But as of right now. To this day, Brian Dawkins is my favorite all-time Philadelphia Eagle, man. Favorite all-time. He didn't even win it. But Dan, you would have thought he did. He was, he, you know, he worked, you know, he was in the front office um for the Philadelphia Eagles that year they won it. Huh. Yeah. I yeah, did he not does, know he, that. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't work for them anymore. Uh, he wanted to focus more on his um, uh, you know, uh, he wanted he wanted to focus more on his philanthropy and all that kind of stuff. But he was in the front office, so he got a ring, technically. <laughs> Tactically, thank you. You know who mine is. I don't even have to tell anybody here. I've got some prop bets here for you. Dak Prescott over under 207 passing yards. 207? Yeah. Over. Over. That's definitely over, yeah. Jalen Hurts over 250 passing yards. Over yes. under. Over. I think so you over. Think both these guys go for 300 yards in this game? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Tony Pollard over under 60 yards rushing. Under. DeAndre Swift over under 73 yards rushing. Under. Jalen Hurts over under 45 yards rushing. Under. CeeDee Lamb over under 100 yards receiving. Over. But it's a push. I think he'll have like 110 or something, like 105. Like, it's not going to be nothing crazy. A.J. Brown, over under, 103 yards receiving. Over, over, and over. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. I even got it. <laughs> 103? After what's been going on these past six weeks, man, 103 is like 50 to him. You know what I'm saying? Devontae Smith, over under, 69 receiving yards. Over. Over. I actually think this Against is a game the where number four pass defense in the league. You may think I'm crazy. I think this is a game where both AJ and Devontae go over 100 yards. Dallas Goddard over under 60 yards. Under. He's going to have like 50 or something. He's going to. It's a. He's going to have. He's he's going to be close, but he's going to have like 50 or something. Like it's it's going to be something like that. Micah Parsons, over, under, a sack and a half. He's only going to have one sack. I, I say under. He's gonna, you know, you know why? The Lane Johnson, listen, that, that Lane Johnson stuff is real. He can't beat Lane Johnson. Is it he, true he only has a half a sack in every game he's ever played against Philly? Combined, I think, it, I think it's either a half or one sack total. As a matter of fact, we can find that out right now. I um, think he's, he's got like like – a half a sack in the history of him playing against Philly. Dude, if, I mean, can you imagine that number yep. being like that for Lawrence Taylor? Here it is. Michael Parsons has eight solo tackles, 
six assisted tackles. I'm sorry, yeah, eight solo tackles, six assisted tackles, and a half a sack in three games played against the Eagles in his career. Half a sack. Half a sack. Half, ha- half a sandwich, as you will say. <laughs> okay. Hassan Reddick, over under a sack and a half. Over. I'm going to go over. Because you want to know why? Their offensive, line, their offensive line is banged up, right? And there's a chance that they're, they're starting uh tackle, uh, what is it, Tyron Smith? Is that the name? Uh, there's a chance he might not play. Now, he's supposed to be practicing tomorrow, but they're going to see if he can go. But they, they've been dealing with injuries. Don't believe anything you're here reading right yeah. now. Unless that's you see point. out. Don't, uh, no, that's, a good, that's, a, that's a good point. But I, but even then, though, it's a neck injury. Um, He's going to have to deal with sweat and Hassan. I just don't. Their offensive line is, has not been as stellar as it normally is. They're getting older and they they're banged up and they're young. So um, I think I think I think the Phil, I think Hassan Reddy gets it's a second and a half two 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 sacks. I think that Bob Lang, PR Eagles, you need to hire Tone, man. Oh and yeah, I'm over relationships because this guy here. Man, I'm over for business, yeah. baby. Hey, hey, it it, it, <laughs> it is all Eagles, baby. You already what, know, baby. What worries you more going into this game on Sunday? And I'll I won't isolate it on the question. I'll leave it right. vague for you. Matters will find a way to lose their bye week. Thank you very much, Maniac. What is your biggest concern going into Sunday? Linebackers. Um, I'm I'm really concerned about CeeDee Lamb in the slot. I really am. I'm really concerned about the Philadelphia Eagles um being able to uh take advantage of their third and long situations. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles have struggled on pass defense in third and long. They just have. Um, and I can't get that. I can't get that third and 20, third and 18 out of my mind from Christmas day last year where they let, uh, what was that receiver that they brought in for that? Uh, who was the guy they brought in at in the half, second half of the season? Who was the guy? Uh, T.Y. Uh, T. Hilton. Remember they signed T.Y. Hilton? T.Y. Hilton. I will never forget him game breaking us. Um, on third and long, FAU kid. If the Eagles would have got off the field, if the Eagles defense would have got off that field on that drive, they win that game. But you know, I, I think the Philadelphia third and long, third and long in linebackers concern me, and that goes hand to hand. Who will have more turnovers in the game, Prescott or Jalen Hurts? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think. Well, I already said. This is going to be a game where the Philadelphia Eagles don't turn the ball over at all. I've, 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 I've already committed to that. So I think this is a game where Dak Prescott throws his first pick in Lincoln Financial Field. And you know who catches it? Kevin Byard. Who's caught it. <laughs> you, want to know what, you want to know why? You want to know why? Kevin Byard. Help me. And in every game he's played Dak Prescott, uh, Kevin Byard, I believe he's caught. Well, let me put it to you this way. In, in, in all his performances going, to get, going up against Dak Prescott, and you know the Titans, they only play you know teams outside of conference but so many times, right? Um, Kevin Byard has three interceptions on Dak Prescott. Three interceptions. So I'm leaning into that. I think uh, Kevin Byard understands the assignment. He understands his tendencies. And I think this is a game where Kevin Byard picks off Dak Prescott. <laughs> hey, okay. Hey, Tone. It's now at 490,000. Hey, half a million people. You stoke it and they buy it, baby. Hey, but, but you know why? No one else is. Do you think this is one of the quieter Cowboy Eagle weeks that you can remember where it's, it's, it's not funny really you say just that. a lot of shit talking going back and forth? 
Oh, um, it's funny you say that because, uh, you know, Rob and D Gun kind of feel the same way. It's kind of been quiet a little bit. Um, on Twitter, you know, in my algorithm, you know, I follow a lot of Eagle Cowboys, you know, content creators, all that kind of stuff. So I, so I see the jaw jacket all the time. You know what I'm saying? So I oh, don't see I, right now between Eagle fan and Cowboy fan. Is it's there. Nuts. It's it, it, it's there, but it's in the it's in the crevices in the wall. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. gotta you you gotta you gotta you gotta be a part of that to really see it. And um, you know, the Eagles fans in the live chat to tell you they're talking trash. Trust and believe. But you and you know what they're doing? They're trying to play humble this week. They're trying. They're trying so hard to act like it's another game. They're trying so hard. The fans, right? The fans are trying. The Cowboys fans are trying so hard to just act like it's another business trip. They're trying to, you know, they're, tr- they're trying to make it seem like the um, the excitement is one sided. You know what I mean? They're trying so hard to play it cool. But I see. I, that- I hate the guy who pretends to hide the plumber's crack. But as soon as they win it. the game, as soon as they win the game, get out they're there. screaming. They're screaming get out the- there and nah. scream it. Listen, you know what I mean. So, look at the end of the day, man. I look at Cowboys fans, and they know, and they know what's coming. They feel it, they sense it, and it, and it scares them at night. It's like the boogeyman. It's like Candyman. Don't go, don't, don't go, don't go in the mirror and say my name five times because if you do, you're gonna see a shadow. Don't you agree that there's pressure on Desai in this aspect? Jonathan Gannon beat the living shit out of the Dallas Cowboys earlier. And if you can't stop the Cowboys and Dak goes for like he did in the last game last year for 375 yards and five touchdowns and he torches that that defense Mm -hmm. and he beats them, don't you you say this then? Man, I don't know, man. The coordinators on the Eagles this year were not in line with the coordinators that they had a year ago. Now, I mean, I because if Jonathan Gannon could stop the Cowboys and run them over with no talent almost, don't you think, as Sean Desai, with all the so-called talent you have that you think, young, inexperienced, I think your front seven's great. Your front seven's way better than Arizona's. And if they can't stop him, how do you look at that then with Gannon then and go, okay, well, this guy wasn't in an upgrade. Or maybe you do still. I don't know. No, I understand. No, you, you bring up a very fascinating point because, you know, regardless, right? If you that defense, the, the Eagles defense, even in even in the DB room, right? You know, the starters, they they're experienced guys. You know what I'm saying? It's it's not like they have youth all over that defense. I mean, you know, yeah, at Nicobe Dean, that linebacker, inexperienced. Uh, Reed Blankenship still relatively inexperienced. I mean, he's he's played in some crucial situations last year for the Philadelphia Eagles. Don't get it twisted; he has way more snaps under his belt than uh than uh Nicobe Dean. But still, in comparison to Kevin Byard, Slay, Bradbury, not as experienced, right? Right. Um. So you would think they would be much better, but that's and, and, and I I feel like having that amount having that amount of talent and experience back there, you shouldn't be as bad as you are in pass defense. That's why I feel like the, the lack of continuity. The lack of continuity, all the injuries back there have really hampered the ability for that pass defense to really be to, to really play as, as much of a high level as they could. Think about this, right? Jonathan Gannon dealt with almost no injuries on that side of the ball. He, he only lost, he lost two players. He lost uh Avante Maddox, who eventually came back, and he lost um since uh Cindy Garner, um uh Garner Johnson, who eventually yeah, came, the Cowboy came back. But but still. He really didn't deal with injuries in their secondary like that. He 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 really didn't. So 
And again, that defense is predicated off of communication and being in sync, right? Already, Sean Desai has dealt with so many injuries on that side of the ball and that in, in, in the DB room specifically. It's so hard to execute that type of offense. But I do agree, if Sean Desai's defense doesn't have a good outing, at least, you know, to a point where they're able to make plays situationally, you know, get off the field on third down at least. Because at the end of the day, the Cowboys are talented, man. But let's not pretend they're not talented, right? They are. They're very talented. Dak Prescott, in my opinion, he's a good quarterback. You know, CeeDee Lamb is a good wide receiver. Brandon Cooks, I think he's. I think he still has a lot left. Um, Quinn's a great coordinator. Um, you know, uh, Dan Quinn, he's a good coordinator on his side of the ball. You know what I'm saying? So they're, they're talented on offense and they're talented in their coaching staff, especially in the defensive coordinators. So Sean Desai definitely has some pressure on him to make sure he can find a way to hide the deficiencies of that linebacker room. And again, you got another week with the you got you got another week with the four-headed horseman and uh James Bradbury, uh Kevin Byer, Reed Blankenship, Darius Slade. You got another week with those guys playing together in sync. I think they play much better than they did last week. But again, with a team that talented, you only can stop them but so much. The goal is to stop them situationally, keep them out of the red zone. You know what I mean? Because the way the defense is designed, teams are going to move the ball against it. You just have to you just have to take advantage of your opportunities and, and play tremendous situation football. So yes, there is a lot of pressure on Sean Desai this week. And if and if he allows Dak Prescott and those boys to go for nearly 400 yards passing, he's going to have to answer a lot of questions. Who has a better game Sunday, Hertz or Dak? Um. Now, now before you answer, mm-hmm. if Jalen gets a lead, you could see. Dak have incredible numbers. Right. So it's like, you know, you know I mean, so are, I mean, there's always like, you, you, this is why I say this. Many people go like this. Mahomes was outplayed by Hertz in the Super Bowl. No, he wasn't. Okay. The guy made the plays when it mattered the most. That's mm-hmm. winning football. The numbers are always going to mis- be misleading. Did he keep? Watch this. Here's how you compromise that take. Did he keep the Eagles in the game? Yes. Did he win it? Well, then what are we talking about? Two games in a row, Mahomes was technically outplayed by Jalen, mm-hmm. but Jalen's 0 2. Yep. So when you look at when we say a guy like to me, Hertz can go like this on Sunday, 262 yards, 31 of 35, two touchdowns, 45 yards, and they beat him by five. And that could go for 375, mm-hmm. five touchdowns and two picks mm-hmm. and lose who played better. I agree with you that hundred percent. So I think me, it's, how, it's not how you drive tone. I think it's how you arrive. Exactly. Right. It's, it's not the speed. It's the route. What route did you take to get here? You dig what I'm saying? So I, you know, I definitely agree with you. Um, but you know, I, you see, I'm not wearing this hat for nothing, man. I think Jalen Hurts has the better game. I just think he does, man. I think he's, I think he operates better under pressure. I think he operates better in these type of games. We've seen Dak Prescott in, in a game earlier this season where it was it was it was talked about, it was highly touted, it was it was deemed the matchup of the season, the rematch of all rematches, right? And he was and he was so shaken so early. I understand he has his record against the Cowboys, but Dak Prescott hasn't played in Lincoln Financial Field since 2021. Huh? Think about that. 
That's Cooper, right. Last year, the game Cooper Rush, Cooper Rush played. And the right? year before that, oh, and the year yeah. before that, and the year before that, it was a it was a um, a nothing burger because the Eagles sat Jalen Hurts, they sat all their starters, and they dropped forty points on third string guys. So the, was the, twenty the year he was hurt. Say that again. Was twenty or nineteen the year he was hurt? So the. 2021-2022 season, uh, Dak Prescott was healthy. He got hurt the year before. Yeah, year before. Okay. So um, the 2021-2022 season is when that was Jalen Hurts' first year starting, right? The first matchup, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys smoked the Eagles in Jerry World. It was like week four, week five. And then they and then they played the last game of the year. I went to that game. Um, Jalen Hurts, none of the starters played, not on offense, not on defense. None of them played. The Cowboys played all their stars, every single last one of them. And the game was close into the third quarter, and that's when the Cowboys kind of broke the game open. And, you, I mean, you expect what you expect, right? And then the Cowboys go into the playoffs, and they lose to the Niners that year at home. So Dak Prescott has not played in Philadelphia in a high-pressure environment, arguably, since 2019. Think about that. He hasn't, he hasn't been in this situation since you – could, you, could, you could probably go further than that because – was like 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 let's be totally honest about this, right? When's the, I understand Dak has his record against the Philadelphia Eagles, but he has not had to come to Lincoln Financial Field and play a seven and one or undefeated Philadelphia Eagles team in the atmosphere like this with the quarterback playing this well. He has not had to play in this circumstance. We know how Dak operates in these circumstances, especially on the road. Candlestick. I think he the looks last, like a pumpkin. I think the last two years, if you think about it. The last two years, his biggest games outside of Philly had to have been that Buck game against um, Brady, who was calling it. Real quick, can I can I respond to that that game in particular? They want to give him so much credit for that game, right? The Bucks got into the playoffs with a less than five hundred record. Eight, that nine. defense was that 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 team was terrible. Eight, they were nine. they were they were snake bitten with injury. Tom Brady was on his like like that, that team was literally a nothing burger. You dig what I'm saying? So yeah. how can I get like like you went in there and beat up and that's the problem with the Cowboys? They beat up on teams that don't have any legs to stand on. So wait a minute, and, you don't have any respect for the 23 point victory that they just had with the Rams? How can how can I? How can like like really? How can I? You you beat the Rams at home. Like your defense scored a touchdown, two touchdowns I think. Your special team scored. How how can I? Look at how he's played in both 49er games. Three, all three 49er games. Look at look at those games that he's played in those games. The I games that matters. He cannot he, – he doesn't. He just – it's weird to me, but when it comes to Jalen Hurts, when it comes to the games that matter, regardless how you feel about the opponent, if it's a game that matters, he's going to win the game, regardless of how you feel about his stats or his performance. He's going to win the game. I trust Jalen Hurts more than Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott has not played in this environment under these circumstances since arguably 2018, 2019. How can I respect that man in this context? Who's Who do you have more concerns with going into this game, the Eagle coaching staff or the Cowboy coaching staff? There's question marks on Mike. I mean, Mike, you know, for what – look, I think it's always going to be about Jimmy's and Joe's. Ask Matt LaFleur yeah. that. Ask Bill Belichick that. It's, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre are going to cover a lot of shit up, Tone. You know what I mean? They're going to cover a lot of stuff up. So everybody's going to fall under that play, play calling, guys. 
that maybe you don't have the right guy in the room. Now, to me, I don't really think the Eagle coaches, the young coaches, I don't really think they have a lot of patience. They lack the experience as that Cowboys coaching staff. They lack it. But I'm willing to say this, right? And I I know this probably isn't going to answer your question. This is probably me putting on my mayor button. But I look at it like I look at it like this, right? The Philadelphia Eagles, that roster, they're so good at what they do. They're capable of winning in spite of the coaches making a mistake, so on and so forth. We've seen it many a times. They're capable of winning in spite of the Dallas Cowboys. On the other hand, I don't think they're capable of winning in spite of anything. If their coaches aren't having a good day, they're not winning the game. If defense is not having a good day, they're not having. They're not winning the game. If offense isn't having a good day, then they need all the ingredients to be working in sync for the you know for their meal to taste good. But you ever have a meal with someone you know they, you know they eyeball it a little bit. You know what I'm saying? They 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 trust they flick at the wrist. Oh, a little garlic powder over here, a little basil over there, the tomato sauce. I don't blah, play blah, with blah. my food. Tom. You know what I'm saying? So my <laughs> point is, my point is right. My point is. The, the Cowboys, they need every ingredient to make it work. A real cook, a real chef knows how to make it work, whatever he got in the kitchen. You dig what I'm saying? Oh, that's, yeah. that's that's the difference between the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Dallas Cowboys, they, they're not stress-tested. You dig me? Yeah. The Eagles are stress-tested. You dig me? That's where Holy. I'm at with this. I'm not buying a house that I ain't never been through a hurricane. But guess what? That house, it made it through a hurricane, made it through a sandstorm, made it through. Okay, I know that house got a strong foundation. I was oh, so like, that. You, you like pre disastered houses, like, you know, that house was hit by lightning bolt. I'm buying it. Hey, listen, if you're disaster proof, <laughs> I'm buying you. I'm buying you if you're disaster proof. Before I get you out of here, I'm not going to go through all the games on Sunday, but just some of the highlight games Miami, Kansas City, and Germany. Who do you like in that one? Miami, Kansas City, Germany. Woo! be a matchup you know what's so great about these matchups they're all staggered so you can watch them all at once or you can watch them all independently of each other you yeah. know what i mean it's, it's going to be amazing um in germany neutral neutral field i'm i got I, I gotta rock on my homes man hey by I, the I, way ramsey's playing oh shit and get this, get guess guess what guess what they said too that is um, Xavier Howard back too? Is he yeah. back as well? Hey, you want to hear this? They may put Ramsey on Travis Kelsey. Damn. You know what's so crazy? He got a pick last week against he, New England. He doesn't in his first game back. I know it's crazy. Um, I, I just I don't yo, I don't trust his wrist. I don't trust Mahomes. You you bring down, you just you kind of shaking me a little bit. Um mm. That Kansas City, that Kansas City defense is playing so well, Sills. So well. Uh you know what? I'm gonna go out on a limb here, right? I'm gonna go out on the limb. You changed my mind, especially with that. Cause I forgot about Jalen Ramsey. I forgot. I got I got Kansas City losing the second game in a row. I'm gonna give mine a little bit later, but man, that's a really I'm not giving a, I'm, I'm not giving a score. No, no. I, 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 I got I got Kansas City losing their second game their second game in a row. They haven't done that in a long time, if ever. So I think I think they lose their second game in a row. I think that Seattle, the, AFC, the AFC is so shaky. I know up and down. Seattle at Baltimore. Who's home? Ravens. 
I'm going Baltimore, man. Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson is going crazy right now. I got to go Baltimore, man. I have to. Buffalo, Cincinnati. Who's home? Bengals. I'm going Cincinnati because Cincinnati, they're finding like they're 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 getting hotter. I think Buffalo's getting colder actually. So I'm going I'm I'm going with the team that's trending up rather than a team that's plateaued or even trending down. I'm I'm going I'm going with Cincinnati in that game. I'm going with Cincinnati. Uh, let, me, let me do one more here. Let me I could I, I like that here. Let's let's do this one here. Um Washington at New England. Washington. You know they get the 500. Washington at New England? At New England. If they win, they get the 500. Washington, huh? Um I think I think New England wins that game. They get I, I I think New England wins that game, man. They got to bounce back. Um that defense in in uh in New England is still very good. Yep. Um and Sam Howell outside of his eagle outside of his matchups against the Eagles. I mean, he's pretty he's been very below average. So, um and I know Mac, I, know, I know Mac Jones has has struggled as well, but I don't know. I trust Bill Belichick and that team at home against a team like the Washington Commanders who just had a fire sale uh, of, of their edge rushers. So, I'm going. I'm, I'm going with the Patriots on this. Yeah, because I think they've waved the white flag too. The Patriots. Uh, that looks like a strong pick. All right, Tone. Here we go, baby. Sunday. I mean, you know, it's exciting, Sunday. man. It's exciting. Listen, man. I'm a. Uh, what do you got here? Uh, I got the Philadelphia Eagles. Like I said, um, was it? What did I say? I said, uh, what did I, say? I said, 30-24. 30-24. 30-24. 24 Eagles, Cowboys score. Uh, what is it? Three touchdowns and a field goal. Uh, I think the Philadelphia Eagles, they score. Uh, what is that? Uh, they score three touchdowns and is that two field goals? Yeah. No. So that's 21. I got 24, 21 birds. Okay. Okay, that's that's reasonable. I think it's reasonable. So yeah, I got th- I got 30 24 birds, you got 24 21 birds. Yeah. That's reasonable. So I, I I think they're going to be kind of conservative in the first half here both teams. You think both teams are kind of be throwing jabs, just filling each other out. You think they're not want to turn the ball over. Mm. And you know what happens when you don't want to turn the ball over? You get a You're not tight. doing the Bruce Arians no risk it no biscuit plays. Yeah. You're kind of going back and forth a little bit. You're kind of feeling each other out. Haymakers will start to come in the middle of the second quarter. That's where you'll start seeing teams take punches at one another and big opportunity plays. Because what you want to do, in my opinion, if you're the Eagles, you want to see how Dallas is going to play CD. Then on the other end, you want to see how Dallas is going to play AJ. Okay, how are you playing him? Are you playing him with big body Stephon Gilmore? Are you playing with a guy over the top on him? Are you jamming the guys at the line of scrimmage? Are you playing press? I also think Dallas wants to see on those corners because to me, the key in that game is going to be the corners and how you fundamentally play them. Yeah, because I'll tell you, Tone, you play thing. 10 yards off that ball, Dak is going to, you're going to look at Dak in the first quarter. He's going to be something like 11 to 12 for like 122 yards because yeah. I, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're in the end zone. Hey, listen, listen to this, right? 
think about this scenario, right? Because I, I think I think scenarios and moments matter. I think the best situation for the Philadelphia Eagles, win the toss, defer. Like get your defense out there. Find find out find out early what you're working with. Get your defense out there. Get a three and out. If you can get a three and out and defer, and you guarantee like a turnover. that turnover. Exactly. You 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 get you you uh, win the toss, defer, get a three and out. Your offense gets the ball. They go down the field, score a touchdown. Now you have the lead. Boom. So you have a lead. You've already proven you can stop their defense, stop their offense once. Dallas gets the ball back. Worst case scenario for them, another three and out. Eagles, if the if, if the Eagles get up two scores early, the Dallas is finito. It's done. It's you might you, you might as well put them on a the grill, saute them, and just serve them up. Look at look at Tony. He's already got him on a skewer. That's that the Eagles have to score early. They can't, they have to be opportunistic. They have to take they have to take advantage of what their defense provides. Cause I still feel like there are many moments where this defense has moments where they stop a team consecutively and the offense doesn't take advantage of it all the time. They had complimentary football is going to be paramount in this game. So um the Eagles, they have to score early. They, they got to get a lead on Dallas early. They got to put that pressure on them early. If the Eagles go up by 10 points early. You're going to start to see Dallas get a little tight. Watch. You're going to see Dak make a little, a little bit more mistakes. He's going to start forcing the thing a little bit more. Just watch. So you start to see that sphincter muscle, as you say, start to get a little bit tighter mm-hmm. here a little bit. Uh, right? puck, pucker up, baby. You can't drive pucker a nail up. through it, as my coach would say. <laughs> hey, man, that, that, the sphincter factor. I used to go to Jimmy. What's that? He goes, I can't drive a nail through it, man. You're getting so tight. Your sphincter factor, man, is really perking here. Hey, Tom, great stuff, my friend. Yes, sir, man. This is going to be a hell of a matchup. I'm looking forward to it. Listen, I told you on Monday, it's somebody's funeral, man. And I plan on, re- and I plan on reading uh, a Dallas eulogy. So, uh, oh, a Dallas eulogy could be coming on listen, Monday. I put it to you this way. The man, the man in black is coming. The man in black is coming, okay? All right. I look forward to that. All right. That's our, that's our friend, Tone. Don't forget also, 430 Eastern time, we will talk to the legendary Merrill Reese. Hey, it's happy Wingsgiving for Hooters. We appreciate everybody at Hooters for making this. Really what a great fall it is. I mean, football in Hooters during the fall. Can't get a better matchup. The iconic Hooter girls want to thank all of you. When you go into any one of the locations in the Northeast area, thank you so much. Specials each and every single day, all month long of November. Ice Cold Coors Lights for $2.99. 25% of each purchase goes to local charities as well. The 2024 Hooter calendars are there. They got $100 in gift certificates inside the calendars. I think there's like nine girls that are featured also from the locations there in the Northeast area too. NortheastTutors.com. That's NortheastTutors.com. The great lunch special. I mean, Monday through Friday, 1130 to 3. Boneless Wings. Happy hour, Monday through Friday, four to six. Can't get anything better than this here. Six items, six bucks. Try the fried pickles. You'll absolutely love them. Get the steamers on Seafood Sunday. Half price off. Military Mondays, 20% off. Tuesdays by 10 wings. Get 10 boneless free. And Wing Wednesdays, 1983. All you can eat. Kids eat for free on Saturdays as well. NortheastTutors.com. That's NortheastTutors.com. And when you go into any one of the Hooters, do me a favor. Tell them Big Sill sent you.
Football and Hooters, the perfect pair. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Show. We appreciate you coming aboard. Merrill Reese will join us here in a couple minutes at the bottom of the hour. We'll get his thoughts. He was at an event, and he'll tell us what that event was. The legendary voice will call the Cowboys and Eagle game from Lincoln Financial for WIP. That'll be here in a couple minutes. We welcome everybody aboard. This is a big game for Philly. Go with me here. So am I right? And I'm doing this off the top of my head here. Do the Cowboys have the Giants and the Panthers on the other side of this? And don't the Eagles have the Cowboys? Um, then they have the Cowboys, then the Chiefs, and then is it Seattle? So when you got this matchup this week coming up, for Philly, Philly seven and one, right? So I'll tell you how big this game is on Sunday. That this game is so big that hypothetically, the birds lose this game. Cowboys beat the Giants next week. They've made up the half game. They're in first place with the tiebreaker. And then when you come out of the bye, 
you have to play the Chiefs in Kansas City, and they're playing the Panthers. Then you've got Seattle and Buffalo and the 49ers. This is a pretty big stretch here. Plus, you get to go into your bye eight and one. So, hey, Merrill Reese says this all the time. This league is a week-to-week proposition. It could change at any moment. You know, this is what makes this team, I think, better than Dallas. You know what it is? They're not looking to go 14-3. and They're looking to go 1-0 and every week. 1-0. and And I think that's how this next guy looks at it, too. And he is our dear friend. He is Merrill Reese, and he joins us now here. Am I right when I say that, Merrill? That's the you one are. thing that you love you about this team. They just look to go 1-0 and every week. They're not looking down the line here. You can't. You, you can't, Dan. Uh, and there are many reasons why you can't. But the biggest reason is you don't know who you're going to be playing, and you don't know who they're going to be playing, or you don't know who they're going to be playing with. One key injury changes everything. If you can tell me who's going to be healthy for Kansas City in two weeks and who's going to be healthy for the Eagles, I'll give you a better idea. But we don't know that. So the only thing you can do, and Nick Sirianni says this, he was asked Monday uh, or Wednesday, at his Wednesday press conference, he was asked about this week. It's Dallas week. Is it big? Do you feel it? And he said, I want the fans to feel it on Sunday. I mean, we know how the fans feel, Eagles, Dallas. But as far as I'm concerned, I get the team prepared the same way I do every single week. I mean, do you think I didn't prepare them for the Jets? No, we lost to the Jets, but I prepared them the same way. You have to prepare them as if every game is everything. Every game is the is the one big shot they have. And as a broadcaster, I can't be worrying about Kansas City or Buffalo or San Francisco. I've got to learn my numbers. I've got to look at my tendencies. I've got to study my biographies and and everything about the Dallas Cowboys as if that's the last game we're going to play. That's what you have to do. You cannot look ahead. Merrill, what makes this week? And I want you to give me and educate me, please, on a perspective on when this became. Because when I grew up as a kid, Merrill, for me, because of my uncle, Robustelli, I always assumed because Ben Narek used to come on my show and tell me that it was Eagles and Giants. Yeah. I grew up like that. Now, I know it's generational conversation probably, but was it for Meal? that no. start? How did it start then, Cowboys and Eagles? Much, much, much before that. Okay? Let me, let me just look in a book right here. This is my... My not the weekly media guy, but the all-time Eagles Cowboys results, and I'm just going to look in this book for one second to give you a year, and I'm going to tell you the first year they met the Dallas Cowboys, and I'll have a better. I, let me just tell you. I think it's '61. It's '60. Did they play in '60? Are they with uh, the Cowboys? First year was '60. The Cowboys' first year was '60. Okay. Um, but it was either 60 or 60. The Eagles did beat the Cowboys in 60, uh, but they played them once. They played them once. Which don't forget, back then, there were no divisions. There was the NFL with the East and the West. That's right. 
six teams on each side, and you play 12 games. Don't, hey, 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 Merrill, don't you remember the St. Louis Cardinals used to be in the NFC East back in the day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did. So, But there was no NFC East then. Yeah. There was no NFC huh. East. There was the East and the West, because this was before the AFC. So there was only the NFL, East and West, and there were no playoffs. The Eagles met the Green Bay Packers, who won the West, for the NFL championship the day after Christmas in 1960. That was it. So but, it was best record. It wasn't playoffs. Whoever had the best no record met the NFL title game. That was it. That was it. Best. The Eagles were 10 and two first in the East. That was it. And they played the green Bay Packers. And of course they won the only playoff, the only postseason game that Vince Lombardi ever lost. But the reason I'm telling you that is because I think it was about 62, 61 or 62, when a Cowboys linebacker by the name of Leroy Jordan, do you know that name? Oh, I know. I knew him very well. Okay. Leroy Jordan kicked out Timmy Brown's teeth. Timmy Brown was an Eagles running back, handsome, movie star, handsome guy, sang on the side. There's a book out about him this year. But Leroy Jordan kicked out Timmy Brown's teeth, and the war was on. That was it. That was it. That was the first shot. Leroy Jordan kicked out Timmy Brown's teeth, and Eagles fans have hated the Cowboys ever since. And it's been passed on from fathers to sons and daughters, and ever since. Now, you not, may not be able to find a young fan who realizes that that was the genesis of the whole thing, but I was a kid then, and I remember it, and we all hated the Cowboys forever because Leroy Jordan kicked out Timmy Brown's teeth. It happened way before Vermeer. Timmy Brown? Mm-hmm. Timmy, I'm going to write that down. I've got to, I got to ask Jaworski about that. Because, <laughs> hey, this is, I've never heard this story, and I love history of the NFL. Yeah. So it was, it was Jordan kicking his teeth out, and Landry was the head, who was the head coach then? Do you know? Landry, he was the first head coach. Yeah, of the Cowboys, but who was the coach of the Eagles then? Oh, Buck Shaw. Well, it was Buck Shaw in 60. So in 61, it would have been Nick Scorich. That was the big thing that it was promised to Van Bu uh, to, to Dan, Norm Van Brocklin, and he didn't get it. And they took the assistant coach, Nick Scorich, and made him the head coach. Is that why Van – I think Van Brocklin then went to Atlanta and became the head coach down with the Falcons. Is that right? Uh, he did, didn't he? He was also the head coach, I think, of the Vikings. Yeah, Vikings too. That's right. That's because the Vikings came in the league in 60 also with the Cowboys that year. All right, Merrill, for you. Now, have you ever had have you ever had Ray Dittinger on? No, not yet, but Ray's I listened one, to him. Ray's one of the great historians, and he wrote oh, yes. Encyclopedia. But I think Ray would verify my version that when T Leroy Jordan kicked out Timmy Brunson's front teeth, front teeth yet the war was on that's when it began what is your most memorable moment i'm glad that question <laughs> what's that i i'll ask I'll, how about if i give you my three most memorable moments to put them in order and, well i'll go three two one okay N number three december 10th 1995 and the eagles Met the Dallas Cowboys on a Saturday on a Sunday afternoon, and that Saturday I took my kids to see a movie, Groundhog Day. And in that day, on that day, 
Eagles had the lead, Cowboys driving in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, and they're down deep in Eagles territory. And Barry Switzer was the coach. And he handed the football off to Emmett Smith, and the Eagles stacked him up cold on fourth down at the line. And we're celebrating. But all of a sudden, the officials get together and determine that that play was executed after the two-minute warning. And the game should have been stopped. So they threw that play out. And we went into a commercial break. And then we came back. And they're going to do that fourth down again. And Stan Walters was doing the color at the time. And we talked about the fact that, you know, uh, that could be. They, maybe they are going to go to Novacek this time. Uh, maybe, maybe that's what they're going to do. That's, they're going to throw the ball to Novacek. All right. They come back again. And again, same play called a load left they gave the ball to emmett smith and they stopped him again and i screamed they stopped him again they stopped him again it's groundhog day because if you remember the movie with bill murray everything keeps repeating they stopped him again that was number three number two november 3rd 1996 eagles and the cowboys again this time it's ray rhodes again the eagles coach late in his tenure and the Eagles have the lead and the Cowboys are driving and they're inside the five yard line and Troy Aikman lines them up and gives the ball to Emmett Smith and they stop him at the two yard line. And so they go back into the huddle for second down. And again, not only do they stop him at the two, they not come back to about the four. So it is third and goal for the Cowboys. And we know they're about to stab the Eagles in the heart. And back goes Aikman, and he looks deep into the end zone, and he fires a pass to the corner of the end zone. Now, we're at Texas Stadium, where we're way up in the air, and I can't... Old Texas Stadium, right? Yeah, Texas Stadium. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell, because I know that there's an Eagle reaching up there, coming down with the ball, because I can see the helmet, but he screamed, and I can't see a number. And I yell, it's intercepted. It's intercepted. And out to the five-yard line, the 10-yard line. And I, I still can't tell because he's surrounded by people left, right, all over the place. But he's coming up the sideline. So when he gets to about the 20, I look over to my spotter, who is uh, Derek Boyko, who was the Eagles PR director. And I figure, well, he's got the binoculars. He'll see exactly who it was. I look over to him quickly. And where is Derek Boyko? My producer, Joe McPeak, was so excited that he had tackled Derek Boyko, and the two of them are on the ground. So now I look back quickly to the field, and I see number 23. And I go, and Troy Vincent picks off. It's Troy Vincent with the interception. And he's at the 30, he's at the 40, he's at midfield, all the way down to the 10, the 5, and I yell, the Eagles win, the Eagles win, the Eagles win. And we go to a commercial. And during the commercial, we see the play again. And at the exact instant that I looked over to my spotter, James Willis, who had la who had picked off the pass in the end zone, had lateraled back to Troy Vincent. So I had the play. I just didn't have the right guy. <laughs> but that was a, that was Eagles 31, Dallas 21, an amazing, amazing game. Now, number one, number one is January 11th. 1981, freezing, 
just freezing cold. I'm wearing boots, long underwear. We are all bundled up. It's the NFC Championship game. The Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys, Veteran Stadium. And in the first quarter, Ron Jaworski hands off to Wilbur Montgomery, and he goes behind the block of the guard, the right guard, Woody Peoples, and the right tackle, Jerry Sizemore. And as we saw that number 31 disappear into the end zone, every single person in the Delaware Valley, it was only the first quarter, we all knew that the Eagles were going to Super Bowl 15. I can never remember anything about Super Bowl 15. But I remember about that NFC Championship game, which the Eagles won 20 to 7. I would have to think, Merrill, to that point, that was probably the second biggest win uh, from 1960 all the way to 1981 with the Eagles when they won that NFC Championship because you had gone from being where you were with Vermeil when he first got there to being NFC champions. That had to be one of the biggest moments in the city's history. Absolutely. Absolutely. 60 was it when they beat the Packers for the championship. But, you know, here's the funny thing, uh, Dan. The next, I've always told people that the greatest feeling in the world is to win the Super Bowl and wake up the next morning and you're pinching yourself. Did they really win the Super Bowl? Boy, what? we They finally won. The, it's, it's an amazing field. Happened in Minnesota, Super Bowl 52. Stepped on the plane. And on everybody's seat on that plane, it had their name, even mine, said Merrill Reese, Super Bowl champion. Every player, every trainer, every coach, every stewardess, you know, it didn't matter. Super Bowl champion. It's the greatest feeling in the world. The worst feeling you can absolutely ever have, worse than any regular season game, worse than any playoff game, is to see your team go all the way to the Super Bowl and lose. That's just such a letdown. And I will never remember. But anyhow, going back to 80, it was after the 80 season, of course, technically into 81. So we go to the airport and we're getting on the plane and I'm getting on the plane with the players and they're not down. And they're saying they're building each other up and they're saying, you know what? You have to go to one of these things. You have to experience it to know what it's really like. Next year, we're going to come back and win this thing. Except that next year didn't happen for 23 more years. That's why when you're in the Super Bowl, you have to play that game like it's the last game you are ever going to play because you never know. Merrill, were you more disappointed in 04 or in 22? 22. After the game. 22. No doubt about it. I didn't think they were the better team in 24, in, in 04. I mean, it was Tom Brady. It was Bill Belichick. And now, I'm not taking anything away from Kansas. Oh, absolutely not. But you know the Eagles had the lead at the half. They, yep. they, they had that game, and they let it slip away. That game should have been theirs. I still believe that Jalen Hurts outplayed Patrick Mahomes. I still believe the Eagles were the better team that day, but the Kansas City Chiefs won. So that makes them the better team. But I thought the Eagles had more talent on the roster that day, and that that game was theirs for the taking, and they blew it. Merrill, and, what's different from that eighteen what's can, different from that eighteen team to what you're seeing with this twenty three team following a Super Bowl loss? Or wait, the win 
you know what? Maybe I should ask you this way. What's different from that 05 team to what you're seeing with this 2023 team that they've been able to keep the focus going and the momentum going even after a loss where in 05 they couldn't keep it going? It's a good question. It's a really good question. I think this is a more complete team. I think that was a good team. Uh, the team that lost in 04 had a great wide receiver, Terrell Owens. And uh, the unfortunate thing is the following year, he separated that team. He divided that locker room. He was snipping at McNabb and talking about McNabb. And that, that was a team divided. That was the difference. This is a team united. This is a team of friends. There's no bickering in the locker room. There's no complaining when Devontae Smith realizes that A.J. Brown caught three more passes than him. They root for each other. They're, they're, this, is really, this is really a wonderful group of guys coming together. There are no divisive forces. And in my opinion, in 2005, Owens was one of the divisive forces. Now, you can probably look back and see an injury here, there, and here, and there, and something else that, that I'm not accounting for all these years later. But the one thing I do remember is that team was not the same as the guys who were wearing those masks. And, you know, well, that was that was a couple of years ago. That was Andy's team when they put the they called themselves the underdogs. But but that 05 team didn't have that. Didn't have that. Um, is Jalen Hurts becoming your favorite eagle? Maybe not the best of all these great players. I'm not asking you to ask who's the best player in Eagle history here, but is he becoming your favorite player to cover in your time since you've been the play-by-play -play man? I think he has the ability that one day we can look back and say he's the greatest Eagles quarterback of all time or of modern times. Right now, I think that title belongs to Donovan McNabb by just looking at the record books. This is only the third year that Jalen Hurts has been the starter, but he's a great one. He's a great one with a great future, I do believe. And he just gets better. And he's diligent and he's a great guy and he's a wonderful leader. He's he's absolutely terrific. But if you say, who's your favorite leader? I can't say that. I mean, look, Reggie White was the best, maybe the best defensive end of all time and a wonderful person. There are wonderful people on all of these different teams, uh, some of whom to this day remain as good friends like Ron Jaworski and Harold Carmichael, and my partner in the broadcast booth, Mike Quick. So there's a, you, you, you won't find a better guy. You, you, if you happen to be in the Novacare building during the day, and you happen to come across Brandon Graham in the hall, and he says hello and gives you a hug, your day just got better. And Jason Kelsey's a great guy. And oh my goodness, this team is just this team is just packed with people that you really, really feel good about. They're so special. So special. And, and, and there's just so many of them. So like Dallas Goddard's a great guy. I mean, it, these are these are terrific people. Uh, Jordan Mylotta, oh my goodness, is he different and special? There there's not a bad guy. There's not a bad guy on this team. And a lot of the young ones, I haven't gotten to really know that well that quickly because you stop in the locker room and half of them are gone. But it, you don't you don't see them that often. But but I'll tell you what, these are these are great people from from top to bottom. 
this is a unified team. Nick has done a great job of really bringing this team together. You know, you talk about schemes all the time. Chip Kelly had a scheme that was going to change the Eagles forever, but it didn't. And you hear teams and coaches use the word culture. This team has a culture, a togetherness, a, a real feeling for one another. The fact that they want to go out and give everything they have. It's neat. You've never met a guy like Jason Kelsey. He's he's so special. I mean, yeah, he does a million commercials and he's on the air all the time and doing podcasts. But his his passion, his passion is football. He wants to be the best and he will be in the Hall of Fame one day. One of the best centers I've ever been around. But this is this is a team. This is a team of winners, regardless of what happens this Sunday. This team has resilience. This team has motivation. This team has a has a great coaching staff behind them, a great owner behind this team. They're they're really something, Dan. So I don't know what I can't sit here and tell you. I'm sure they're going to beat the Cowboys on Sunday. I'm sure they're going to play hard. I'm sure the game is going to be competitive. It could go either way. The Cowboys are a terrific team, too. Eagles have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. The Cowboys have C.D. Lamb, who is a handful. But this team is very, very good. And I can't even tell you who's going to be the eventual survivor in the NFC East. But I do know they play another time. This is not the end of the world. They do play another time later in the season. And again, I don't know who's going to be available for that game. You know, this is the first time Jalen Hurts will be in the game the same time with Dak Prescott since September 27th, 2021. That's crazy. Pretty interesting. They haven't been on the same field. And there were a lot of different things. You know, the Eagles coordinator, uh, offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson, great man, young coach, has known Jalen Hurts since he played for Jalen's dad. So he's known Jalen since Jalen was uh, five years old, four or five years old. And Brian coached um, Dak Prescott at Mississippi State. State. Loves them both. Loves them both. He's a great coach. Eagles have a new defensive coordinator this year, Sean Desai. Really, really bright. Really special. Of course, the Cowboys have a pretty good one, too, and Dan Quinn. So, I mean, this is these are two great organizations, two great aggregations, and and two teams that are going to knock themselves out, hopefully not literally on Sunday, but are going to play with everything they have. And if there was a way of winding the clock forward and putting me in the booth in 10 minutes, I could I could handle that. <laughs> I'd be, I'm ready. I love it. I'm going to say this to you. Do you know here? How about this stat here, Merrill? Uh, Dak Prescott's never thrown an interception at Lincoln Financial. Hmm. That's interesting. He's never thrown a pick in Philly. I mean, so when you when you think about his success, why do – you know, I saw another number. You know, he's fifth all-time versus the NFC East when it comes – I think he's got an 800 win percentage versus all the teams in the East. Why do you think, again, I mean – He's not, he doesn't have the consistency outside of the division, it seems, but inside the division, is it just being common opponent on why he seemingly has great success? I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm going to tell you another stat that's pretty interesting that I just learned today when I was down there. And that is that 
after 42 games, which are the amount of games that uh, Nick has been together with Jalen Hurts, after 42 games, they are fifth all-time in coach quarterback win percentage together. They are a game ahead of, after 42 games, a percentage ahead of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. So, I mean, some of those others were Bill Walsh and Joe Montana and uh, Dan Marino and Don Shula. But imagine, after 42 games, they're right there. Their winning percentage is amazing. That's pretty crazy. Let me, a couple last questions here for you, Merrill. Um, do you think this offense, and again, he's having a historic year. Do you think as they're evolving into this passing offense, and I'll give you another number here too, in the last three games, the Eagles in the first half have only run the ball 23 times. So they've kind of gotten away a little bit from what they are as an RPO team because they have limited and they're not doing the same RPOs that they did. They're not as many. The volume is not there. But in the first half, it doesn't just seemingly that they're not they're not establishing that. Are you becoming too reliant, you think, and too predictable maybe by going to one major target in A.J. Brown? Well, I mean, last week, Devontae Smith had his share also. He did. And Dallas Goddard had some big receptions. And as far in the second half, they opened it up a little bit more. But you know what? When all is said and done, the Eagles did win. Could have been by two touchdowns, and they scored, and then they scored it real quickly again, and it was an onside kick thing. But it was it was comfortable at the end. It didn't really get hairy. And do you know what? Uh, Jalen Hurts had a passer rating of 137, you know, through four touchdown passes for well over 300 yards. So there are a lot of things involved. The defense, um, I think Howell got away with a real – the quick game right over the middle. Defense took a while to adjust, but they have a lot of young players, a lot of new players, a lot of movement in that secondary, but they'll get better. They will get better. And as far as do they run too much, do they pass too much, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's what works. And the Eagles came roaring from behind and the commanders couldn't stop them. I'm going to leave you with this. I had Jimmy Johnson on two days ago. And you're going to like this before we go here. Jimmy was offered the job by Norman Brayman in 1986 before how before um, Buddy got the job. And Norman Brayman offered it to him. And Jimmy wanted to go through the 86 season. And he said, no. Then they went with Buddy. Hmm. Think about that for instance. I, and I, I, w- I was floored by it. I, I hadn't, I had never heard that and him say that, that he was offered that job. He, and then Jerry stepped in and said, listen, I'm getting the money together to buy the Cowboys from Bum Bright. You know, they went to school together at Arkansas. Yeah. But Norman, who's still alive actually in South Florida, is a dear friend of ours. And he was a friend of Jerome and I's. And Buddy came down and worked out Jerome in 86. And everyone knew that the Eagles were going to draft him. Because Norman and Buddy loved him, that that was predetermined. He was getting drafted. Well, do you know who was offered the job first? No, the, they fired Marion Campbell, and Marion Campbell got word of the fact that they had offered it to another young coach, and he bowed out gracefully before the last game of the season. And an assistant coach by the name of Fred Bruni took the job. 
But Norman was from South Florida. And as you said, and he idolized Don Shula. Shula? The person he offered that job to was David Shula. What a disaster that would have been. Holy First, cow. He, and it broke in the Inquirer Sunday morning, and it broke big. And that, and, and ultimately, they did not get together. But the first person considered for that job was David Shula. Holy cow. Let me, let me say this to you, Merrill, just between us here and everyone. When Jimmy got the offensive court, when Jimmy got the head coaching job in Dallas, you know who the first coordinator was? David Shula. Hmm. And he did that because it was a favor to Don. Jimmy couldn't stand him. He was so bad. Then he ends up getting the Bengals job. Yes. I think he's the only coach to ever have 51 losses because they kept him around because the respect that the Brown family had for Shula because Shula played for the Browns and he played for Paul Brown back in the day. And that, and that's how North Turner got the job in Dallas. And Jimmy regretted hiring that guy so much because he never really, now he runs a steakhouse, his pop steakhouse. And I love David. He's a great, he's a great guy, but David Shula, man. I mean, can you imagine buddy Ryan? Thank God he got that job, man, because, but what, hey, hey, Merrill, before I get you out of here, what did you think of his tenure as the head coach of the Eagles? Did you think he he was a good coach in Philly? I loved him. I loved him. I I thought he was I thought he was terrific. Now there are various segments of that team who will tell you he was all about the defense, and that that team had a offensive a, a quarterback coach by the name of Doug Scoville, who had been a wonderful wonderful quarterback coach, uh, play at the College of the Pacific had worked with Bill Walsh and was a wonderful quarterback coach. And he had Randall Cunningham going in the right direction because Buddy, and then suddenly uh, Doug Scoville was working out on a Saturday and dropped out of a heart attack down at the Eagles office and, um, and was a dear friend of mine. We played a lot of tennis together. And anyhow, uh, the, they named Ted Plum, the offensive coordinator. He took over the offense and, Nobody really rode Randall the way that Doug Scoville did. And Buddy used to say to Randall, go out there and make three big plays a day. That's it. Randall, Randall, you know, when people say to me, who's the most exciting player you've ever been around? Hands down, it was Randall Cunningham. Merrill, I say this all the time, and I say this to Seth Joyner. Merrill, when you, when you remember how he played, there's only one guy I could compare Randall Cunningham to, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, that's how he played the game. And the difference in what happened, what I'm understanding on what happened was when John Gruden tried to put him in a sandbox and didn't allow him to be the player that he was, and they tried to confine his play, it narrowed his play. When he went up to Minnesota, and Brian Billick went like this, I'm not putting you in any sandbox. I'm going to let you do a lot of the stuff that you did in Philadelphia. Plus, he did have those great wide receivers up there with, with Chris Carter and those guys. But at the end of the day, I mean, they just tried to like really, really kind of confine him at the end of his time. Yeah, they tried to confine him, Merrill, in his last. You know, when 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 John Gruden got there, but when he went up with Minnesota, Brian Billick goes, no, 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 
And I, I say to everyone, Patrick Mahomes is Randall Cunningham. Well, I I think there's a difference. And here's the big difference. I remember one of the, now when you talk to me about great offensive coaches, Dick Vermeule had the best advisor ever, and that was Sid Gilman. Wow. Wow. Sid Gilman, who uh, was the one who really taught Was he the, the OC of that team? He was not the OC, but <clears throat> offensive advisor to Dick Vermeil. And Dick Vermeil was great. And when um, he came in and uh, he, he gave Randall Cunningham a book and, and a, a roll of film, it wasn't video then, it was a roll of film that he had cut up with three great, great quarterbacks reading their progressions, showing them how to go through the progressions. And he said, Randall, I want you to look at this, this thing. I think John Hadle was one. There were several, you know, great, great quarterbacks. One might've been Johnny Unitas. And I want you to go through this reel of tape. And I want you to tell me, I want you to study this, how they go through the progressions. Randall said, thanks coach. And he took it home. And two days later, he gave it back to Sid and said, thanks coach. I really enjoy doing this. And Sid told me, there was only one little thing. Sid had put a little teeny weeny piece of paper one third of the way into that reel. And when the when the film came back, that little bit of paper was still there. Randall was a great player. He was a great athlete. He had it all, but he was not a student of the game. He worked with Buddy Ryan, who said, go out there and make three big plays. He did not have Brian Billick held him more accountable Brian Billick was much more on top of him in preparing for a game. You think that's why that Eagle team I do. did? You think that's why that Eagle team didn't go as far as it did is because Randall didn't really do the little things when it came to preparing for games on Sunday? I, I think he was really a great natural talent. I don't think he put in the the time in the studying. See, he that's the antithesis. You think he's the most talented quarterback the Eagles have ever had, but the most maybe non- Prepared, most physically talented with his ability to run, jump, leap, throw, do it all. But that doesn't mean anything. Oh, I think agreed. Jalen Hurts is the first one in the building and the last one to leave. I remember when Randall during a preseason game, he and a bunch of the guys came out at halftime and said to Buddy, "Hey, we're leaving," and they jumped out of the event and went to Whitney Houston's birthday party while the the rest of the team was still there for the second half. You know, I, I, Merrill, I say this to folks too. Like, look at Tom Brady, for instance, versus Aaron Rodgers. No one would ever, no one would ever confuse that Aaron Rodgers is not the better athlete than Tom Brady. However, Tom Brady did all the due diligence, and this is how I compare Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is a studier of the game. Oh my! That's why he's evolving in the game, and that's why you see a guy like Josh Allen. I think it's tougher to coach Josh Allen than it is to coach Jalen Hurts because. Jalen self-motivated to be coached, whereas Josh, get, think about it, Mer Merrill. He was at Wyoming, recruited by one Power Five school and one big-time college program, and that was Wyoming. And that's not even really a Power Five, so he didn't really have great coaching. Jalen's had great coaching around him, whether it was a success or how people looked at it. He had Saban. He had Lincoln Riley. He's got the coaches. Look at the job Shane Steichen's doing now in Indianapolis. Yep. He's doing a fabulous job there. And he, even though they've had so many variety of changes around his life, he's still been, he's still been around great coaches.
coaches. Yes. So that's helped his involvement. Yes, but he's worked harder than anybody I've ever seen. He is he is so level. He doesn't ever go high. He doesn't ever go low. He just he just pushes ahead, and he's also a great leader. Everyone in that locker room looks up to Jalen Hurts. The respect is enormous. I'm sure it's quite similar to Patrick Mahomes. I understand from Jason Kelsey and through his brother that they just love Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, that he has that kind of effect also. But I, I've never met Patrick Mahomes. I am around Jalen Hurts, and he's so, so special, Dan. Let me sneak one last one in on you. Do you think that Jalen Hurts could have handled Terrell Owens and they would have got the production? Because I'll tell you what I see with A.J. A.J. Brown, obviously, not even remotely close to the off-the-field stuff and the kind of character issues that you would have with Owens. But what you have with a player is, you know what you're getting out of A.J.? You're getting the 2005 season, Merrill, you never got with uh, T.O. You got the 04 season, which was spectacular, but you never got the 05 season. You're getting that 05 season because it's a T.O. performance here. You think you think uh, Jalen would have been able to deal and play with Terrell Owens if he had him in this team right now? Dan, I don't think General George Patton could have handled Terrell <laughs> Owens. <laughs> that's the nicest rip i've ever seen meryl reese ever give somebody without really ripping them <laughs> I've, that's the best rip without ripping i think <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Hey, Merrill, have a great call Sunday. We'll be all listening. Thank you so much. Have a great one, too. And I appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much, my friend. Take care, Dan. You got it. The great Merrill Reese. All right. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. and Hooters, the perfect pair. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428.
My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Grossinger is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Jones kind of like um, Vince McMahon, right? He's more Vince McMahon than he is general manager or owner of a team or a coach. Hey, my team's this, my team's that, my team's this, my t- Can I tell you what I think he sells? He sells the overhype. And what he does is he's created something with a iconic logo. And what he's done is he's created controversy. I don't know if you guys remember when we had David Hill on and David Hill is the man who founded Fox sports and the NFL on Fox. Remember, remember what he said, because Irving got in some type of trouble. And Jerry goes, I got to put a, I got to, I got I to, gotta, I got to stop this stuff, man. We got to, remember what David Hill said? Don't you dare touch my Cowboys. Jerry looked at him and went, what do you mean? He, David Hill went, don't you ever touch the Cowboys. They're the most polarizing sports story in the world. You touch that story you're going to not have the brand grow the way you want it to grow. Right there in a nutshell, it's not important if Mike McCarthy's the head coach or Jason Garrett or anyone else. Mike McCarthy has the safest job on the planet. I I, I find it hysterical that people think that Mike McCarthy's job is on the line. Why in the world would that be true? Own the, uh, the chats down. So use the Jacob thing. Don't you get it? Mike McCarthy is safe. Jerry doesn't want a coach in there. 
That's a great comparison. McMahon's old ass would be wrestling. That's right. Would be wrestling world-class athletes like he belonged in the ring. Meanwhile, Jerry Jones yells every week on the radio like he's the head coach. Absolutely. These guys make spectacles of themselves and their teams to make money and grow the brand. What grows the brand? The wealth of the team. The team is valued at $10 billion. Jerry Jones bought that thing for $150 million. Can I tell you what $150 million is? That's the price of a decent second baseman in today's game. Mike McCarthy's job on the line? For who? Where in the world would you think he would want an authoritative figure as a head coach ever again? I happen to think this about Jerry Jones. I think Jerry Jones, personally, is content with what the winning has been. It's not just the fact that he won early, or Jimmy did it. It's part of the story. He won three Super Bowls as owner. Whether you want to give Jimmy the credit or not is not important. He won three Super Bowls. He won more Super Bowls than Tom Landry did as owner of the Cowboys. Tex Ram, and he bettered him. He bettered Tex Ram and Landry. What else does he need to do? Leave the team in a better place than he bought it for his kids to have generational wealth that will never go away. He's won. Death row, Josh Allen has a shoulder injury. I don't want to hear anything about having injuries halfway through the season. The only thing I want to hear is out or in. Okay? Jerry Jones is not firing Mike McCarthy. If Jason Garrett can keep his job for nine years, nine years, why would make you think Mike McCarthy won't keep it for 10 years? Plus, look at the two brands Mike McCarthy's coached in his coaching career. The Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. You're not coaching the Carolina Panthers. And the Jacksonville Jaguars here. You're coaching the Packers and the Cowboys. Two of the most iconic brands of all time. Okay? You know, if he doesn't win, Mike McCarthy will be fired. Are you crazy? They'll probably give him a raise. They'll give him an extension. It's the only place in America where the coach doesn't matter really. You know why? Jason Garrett, like I said, could keep a job for a decade. I don't see anybody ringing the bell to try to bring Jason Garrett in for another opportunity as a Dallas, as another NFL coach. Hey, he's a white guy. Hey, don't you think of Josh McDaniel, right, Tone? If Josh McDaniel could get a two-job opportunity, you're trying to tell me that Jason Garrett with the connections Jerry Jones has, that white guy can't get another opportunity at coaching an NFL team? Really? You know what owners are saying? He's not good. <laughs> yeah. 
at least with Josh McDaniel, you know what you know what confused them? They were under always under they were always under the idea that Belichick produced these great coaches. He does. He produces great coordinators. Garrett, in his first day as analyst, was more successful than his entire. <laughs> hey, Tone, I'm not. I'm not getting it on the uh, on the super t- the chat side. Garrett's having too much fun being a goofball on TV. Eh. What he's done is he's trying to become. You know. You know what Jason Garrett's trying to do? He's trying too hard doing it. He's trying to be Terry Bradshaw. He's trying to be Bradshaw. Be yourself, guy. The closer you are to yourself, the easier people will be able to accept you and will 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 understand how you do your business. Yeah. Anybody in broadcasting who pretends to be someone else will never be themselves and people will never connect with you. I thought I was going to be some sort of like, um, you know, you had to be this, you know, golden tones guy and you had to come off like you were Edwin R. Murrow and Rush Limbaugh told me years ago, who told you that? And I, I, I was talking to Jason Cole about this. It's funny how he helped me with my broad. Rush helped me with my broadcasting career. Dude, don't act like anyone else. Because then you'll never be who you are on the radio. He was so dead on. I used to take 500. Hey, you see all you guys in here? I used to, Now, that it's important today. Back then it wasn't because it was Nielsen ratings. But he goes like this. So I, I, I went just like this, Matt. Russ Limbaugh goes, how many calls do you take? He, I, and I know, get this. Hey, I know you guys hear this on the radio in Philly and it's funny. But I'll tell you why certain stations in that market don't get any ratings because they think it's callers. You get the same jackass calling you every day on the radio and no one's listening. So you know what Limbaugh said to me? How many people do you talk to a day and take on the air? I go 50. He goes, so you turn your show over to 50 amateurs every day. I go, yeah, I guess. So what are you there for? What are you a traffic cop? And I was like, changed my whole fundamentals and how I thought about doing radio after that. He goes, so you let 50 amateurs come on your show, take control of your show and the direction of your show. And what are you there for? What are they paying you for? And the way you deliver content is not good. I thought I knew everything about radio. I left that weekend with Limbaugh and I went, holy shit, I didn't know anything. And by the way, I don't like Rush's politics, but as a radio man, he's the greatest radio man because he talked to 60 million people a week. <laughs> he, he, he talks to 60 million people a week when he was alive. Nobody had the success, including Stern to Limbaugh. He used to say some of the most outlandish things. Okay. What was, remember, remember that absurd thing that he said about Obama? And I won't even replace it. Called him the magic, you know what? I don't know. You, you have to have massive 
advertisers with strength and power and paying people because I could never say that on any platform today or tomorrow. You know you're making a lot of money when you can say pretty much anything you want. I mean it. That's power. Stern's got power now because Howard is on Sirius, and Sirius is dog shit without two things, the NFL and him. I mean, the programming, outside of some things that they do in sports, I think they do a great job in sports, but some of that other stuff is, I don't know. Okay? Just saying, man. How it Howard is that and the sports department and what they do. Philly Godfather will join us at the bottom of the hour, seven and one versus the spread. Guys like Howard are getting annihilated this year under so called picks and stone cold laid pipe locks. Like Howard Eskin. Howard Eskin's got the stone cold lead pipe locks. Now, like Philly Godfather. How you doing? Yes, sir. Resetting. Cowboys Eagles. One of the absolutely great rivalries. And pro football, is it the best rivalry today in pro football? Eagles-Cowboys. What would be comparable? Is it the best rivalry? Rams-Niners? Bears and Cowboys. Bears and Packers, that thing's been a dog show for 20 years, really. Eagles and Chiefs, that's not really a rivalry. You're 0-2. Ravens-Steelers. Ravens-Steelers. Cowboys-Eagles. Rank them. Ravens-Steelers. Cowboys change your name to Chicken Heads. <laughs> hmm. I'm not being disrespectful to anybody, Philly. What the hell are you talking about? I love Obama, which he was president today. Um, let's see. Ravens, Steelers, or Eagles, Cowboys. Hmm. I'm taking Eagles, Cowboys. Hey, so are you weighing? You weighing into anything of the 23-point win that the Cowboys had over the Rams? Tone don't want to hear it. He don't give a shit about that Rams win. 
They beat the Rams by 23 points. Damn. 23 points. Birds are three-point favorites going into this game. Ravens, Steelers, Abanez. I think it's right there, Cowboys and Eagles. I do. I think you're right. I do. I think you're right. What what comment? I didn't say I said anything. I said Limbaugh said it. What are you talking about? I never said anything. I said Rush said it and got away with it. Jesus Christ, you listen to something sometimes and you try to make something into something that's not. Holy on to me. I never said that. My God. Here are the numbers. Okay? Passing yards. Eagles go into the game seventh, 255. Rushing yards. 132, I think that's a little bit. I'll tell you what, I liked what how Tone cut that up. When it came to, it's not so much the rushing attempts are down. It's the RPOs that are down. Okay? The RPOs are down. Um, Points, I believed in the Eagles scoring 28 points a game. I do. When I see the Cowboys at 28 points a game, I don't, I don't really look at that as being legit because there's a lot of defensive scoring on that side. Okay. Now here's the problem that you have with the Eagles when it comes to their defense. They're 26th in pass defense going into this game. And as we said earlier, this is going to be an issue on how Sean decide. Would you, would you do this? I, and I heard Mark Frasetta do this earlier with, with D-Gun. Would you press sometimes, or would you just stay in what you do normally? Or would you try to mix it up? I heard that comment, and I'm like, why would I do something I'm not capable of doing just to give him a different look? Would you mix it up? Would you mix that up? I don't think you should. I think you should just look at the Cowboys and say, let's see if Cowboys make mistakes. You're going to have to deal with the Cowboys putting up. I think you're going to have to deal with the Cowboys putting up a lot of passing yards. But you know what, guys? I think they're scoring. I think it's not a real number, 28-1. I don't think they get the ball in the end zone enough. So to me, this is going to come down to red zone defense. And I think the Cowboys struggle even more so. If I'm not mistaken, don't you agree? I think the, even the even the, the Cowboys are worse, aren't they, in the red zone than, the, uh, than what the Eagles are in the red zone? I think they struggle more getting into the end zone. Okay. Okay. 
Eagles have a better red zone. Eagles have a better red zone. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, 4 by 4 Sills an honorable man. Jameis Eagle takes are mostly wrong. They're not mostly wrong. I told you your defense would be exactly the way it is. Okay. I told you Jalen Carter would be a star. You're going to make it to the NFC title game. A year ago, I told you you'd make it to the Super Bowl. What else do you want from me? To be a cheerleader? Is that what you want? I know some of you want me to be. Can't do it. I need to make some money, man. I need to make some money. I need to make me some money. Who's the man that can help me make some money? Man, this mofo was 7-1 versus the spread last week. Holy cow. And it's Cowboys and Eagles. I got prop bets too here, man. Let alone the fact that we're going to look at week nine of the National Football League. And it is time right now for the man to help you make some dough. Some of you in here probably need some help in your mortgage payment. Philly Godfather could do that for you. And here he is right now. Hey! <laughs> last week versus the spread, my man. Yeah, I win sometimes, Dan. You know that. Every once in a while, we win a couple bucks. <laughs> Twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> Keep firing, baby. Keep firing. Keep punching away, right? Yeah. Keep going here, man. <laughs> How do you see this Cowboy game playing out here on Sunday? It's going to be a tough game, but uh, I think the Cowboys' pass defense is one of the better ones in the NFL. And if you notice, the Eagles struggled badly against the Jets. I think the Jets are ranked fourth in opponent yards per pass attempt, and the Cowboys are seventh or eighth. And I think that's going to be the difference in the game here. I think Jalen Hurts is going to have some problems passing the ball. Uh, that pressure rate from the Cowboys might get to him. He's not 100%, even though he's pretty healthy. Uh, I think A.J. Brown comes back to earth a little bit. He's been on fire the last few weeks. And I like the Cowboys. I think the game's a coin flip. I like the Cowboys plus the three. If you want to put them into some teasers, some six-point teasers, catch some nine points. And if you want to bet them on the money line, I mean, uh, Cowboys might win this game. The Eagles, it's a division game. People don't realize how tough these division games are, how tough these NFC East games are. The Commanders always beat the Eagles twice. I mean, Cowboys are a lot better than the Commanders. So if, they, if the Eagles play like they did against the Commanders, they're in trouble. Does it concern you when you're breaking down the Eagles? Here, check it out. The pass defense is 26th in the NFL. They're giving up nearly 250 yards. And last week, Sam Howe threw for 400 yards against them. And even though the passing numbers for Cowboys are around 21, uh, 21 or 221 yards a game, that's 16th. They're still in the middle of the pack of the league. However, the pass defense for the Eagles is one of the worst in the league. So they win that advantage there. You see Dak having a big game? Yeah, I think he has a big game. I bet his over passing yards, and I actually bet uh, the under and Jalen Hurts passing yards for props this week. So <laughs> so you're taking the three. Do you think they can win this thing outright, Dallas? Yeah, I think so. I mean, game's a coin flip, and the team that makes you know the mistakes are going to lose this game. It's all about turnovers in the NFL, and the Eagles rank in the basement of the NFL in the turnover margin, while the Cowboys are top five. So, uh, if anyone's going to make mistakes in this game, if you look at you know over the regular season, this season the Eagles have been making more mistakes than the Cowboys have. So. All right, let's do some prop bets on this game. 
Um, and I don't know what the number was that you had here, so I'll throw this at you. Dak Prescott over under 275 yards passing. I think it was less than that, but I went I went over in his passing yards. Uh, yeah, I think that's a higher number than what the books have, but I, I'll, I'll double check. I think he's going to have a big game. <clears throat> How about yeah. Jalen Hurts over under 250 yards? I went under 252 and a half for him. Okay. So you don't think he plays that well in this game? Uh, I think he does. Just that, that that Cowboys pass defense is one of the better ones in the NFL, and they have the, they're kind of built the same way as that Jets pass defense. And the Eagles struggled against them. I mean, let's be honest. You know, he had a bad game, and uh, the Jets and Cowboys have a great pressure rate on their defensive line, sack percentage wise, and uh, could could give them some headaches. Dan, run game looks lower because they only had one called run play in the entire first quarter against Washington. Well, I'll throw a number at you here. Last three weeks, the Philadelphia Eagles have only run the ball 23 times um, in the first half. So, I mean, they're actually trying to get away from that and not establish that, which means the dual threat is almost not there the last three weeks. That could be because of the injury also. So, I mean, they really seemingly want to put the ball in the air a lot. And that's probably why you're seeing high turnovers. Yeah, and AJ, if it wasn't for AJ Brown, I mean, he's taking over some of these games. He's having another, uh, you know, record-breaking season. Uh, you think they're too dependent on him? They're a little top-heavy on him. They're a little top-heavy on. So if the Cowboys can find a way to shut him down, the other guys are going to have to step up, and they really haven't stepped up all season. So uh, it's going to be a tough game for the Eagles. And plus, they have that cushion. They're at seven to one. And even though they have the best record in the NFL, their their odds to win the division haven't changed since the beginning of the season. They're still two to one to win the NFC East, which is a little mind boggling. I, I know they they got a tough schedule ahead of them. Their odds to win the Super Bowl, the Chiefs and 49ers are ahead of them, even though they have the best record in the NFL. So that's a little concerning moving forward. If you're looking, you know, to get down on the Eagles here, uh, it, it's going to be a tough paper out over the next you know four or five weeks for this Philadelphia Eagles team. How about this? If you think about how big this game is for Philly going into the bye, they come out, if I'm not mistaken, they got Kansas City on the flip side, right? Then you're you're talking about um, I think you got Buffalo in there, you've got Seattle in there, you got the Cowboys, Cowboys again. again. You got the Cowboys again. You got four or five playoff teams. All the next five games are against playoff teams. So they and how about the and the Cowboys have, if I'm not mistaken, the Giants and then the Panthers. Yeah, they're scheduled a lot easier. So can you believe this? Like in a matter of two weeks, if you lose this game on Sunday, actually one week, uh, the Cowboys could have the lead in the NFC East and the tiebreaker over the Eagles. Yeah, well, if the Cowboys win this weekend, they'll be a half game out and they'll have the tiebreaker over them, and then you got that rough schedule ahead. Where the if the Eagles keep playing the way they've been playing, they've been lucky in a lot of games this year. They've won some games, but there was a lot of luck involved. Uh, the Dolphins game, Tyreek Hill drops a pass going into the end zone. Uh, Tua throws an interception in the end zone. It, I mean, they got penalized what ten times. The Dolphins in that game, it was a little top heavy the way the refs were calling that game. So they really got to step their step their game up, or else they could be in second place in, in two to three weeks. 30D Godfather, that just means I'm going to win more money when the Eagles do win. I, you, the guy was 7-1. and one. Hey, by the way, Dirty D, you may put your money up. This guy put significant money up. Here's some more prop. Tony Pollard, over under 60 yards rushing. Man, uh, it's right there. I'd say under. 
I say under. DeAndre Swift over under 70 yards. He's going to have to go over if they want to win this game. If you think the Eagles are going to win this game, I'd bet the over on his, on his uh, rushing yards. He's going to have to have a big game. C.D. Lamb over under 99 yards. I'd say under. It's a lot of yards. A.J. Brown over under 102 yards. Under, under, under. <laughs> so you're looking at a low-scoring game. I mean, the total is what, 46 on the game? The total, Vegas at the total at 46, 47. Uh, I don't know how low scoring it's going to be, but the Cowboys got one of the better defenses in the NFL, man. And uh, they've been playing some pretty good football ever since that big loss to the 49s where they got blown out. They've kind of put it together. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the under there. Micah Parsons over under a sack and a half. Over. Over. You think he has a big game, like three-sack game? Yeah. Yeah. He's a big he, guy right there. You know what, though? He only has a half a sack in the three games he's played so far. It's okay. Here he comes. Here come the Cowboys. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hassan Reddick over under <laughs> sack and a half. Sack and a half? Uh, yeah, I can see over. You want to hear another stat on Dak? He's never thrown an interception in Philadelphia. Wow. I think he owns this. What's he, 8-3 straight up against the Eagles? You know, he, lo he loves beating up on the Eagles. You know, and I'm not a Cowboys fan. I'm a money fan, like I told you guys a million times. Last week, we got a little lucky. We went 7-1 against the spread. It's not going to happen every week. But uh, this is all about the cash. I mean, this game's a coin flip. You got to take the you point. You know that Prescott's got an 800 win percentage versus the NFC East. He wins. It's fifth all time. He wins. People don't realize he beats he beats the whole NFC up, man. It's set. <laughs> yeah. you, you know what makes this segment hot? He's seven and one last week versus the spread. Do you know how tough it is to bet versus the spread? Hey, it's easy just to come out and talk shit and go, hey, I got the Eagles winning by four. It's another thing when you're not putting any money around it and you're talking crap about it. And you gotta you're not putting your wallet down. When you put your wallet down, right? Hey, the two things people don't like anyone talking about: their old lady, and they don't want they they don't want you messing with their money. Yeah. Okay, yeah. those are two things, man. You don't want to mess around with a guy. You, you put your money where your mouth is, and I was always, always taught there's only two people you lie to in life, and that's yeah. the judge and your wife. That's right. right. You ain't got to lie to nobody else. <laughs> How you doing? Only the Greeks and Italians think like that. How you doing? <laughs> Here we go, man. Week nine NFL. In Germany, Miami, Kansas City, big game. Yeah, Miami's a little banged up. Uh, the line reaches high. Ramsey's back. Yeah, he's back. Uh, but the, their offensive line scares me a little banged up. And the Chiefs got, what, the second-best sack percentage in the NFL. Line went was high as up to minus three. It dipped back down to one. Now it's floating around one and a half, two in the market. The entire, I mean, the whole world's going to be betting the Chiefs here. You know, you just got to bet them to win, right? It seems too easy, and we've talked about this in the past. Vegas doesn't give it out free money. I like the fact that Miami went out there a couple of days before the Chiefs did. That's always big when you fly out there a little early. You get acclimated to everything. You don't have that jet lag coming in. Uh, I haven't bet the game. If I had to pick right now, man, three is such a key number in the NFL. I would love to take three on Miami, but – 
It's starting to move. It's back to two. If it gets to three, I'll be all over the Dolphins here plus three. I don't care about Minnesota, Atlanta. I could care less. But it looks like His Highness is going to play this weekend. You know what's funny? I don't know if the money line moved that Deshaun Watson is going to play for Cleveland against Arizona. It's and a it's little in bit. Cleveland. Did it move at all? Yeah, it's up to – I mean, it's up to ten, actually. It opened up, what, eight? It's been moving ever since, eight and a half. Would you take I'm Arizona here? It's tough, man. I mean, who's who's going to be the quarterback this week? I don't think they've announced who the quarterback is, have they? Jim Hart. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of points. Uh, Ten points is still a lot of points for me. I think they're going to play real conservative with him. A lot of dink and dunk for Deshaun Watson. Uh, with that defense, the whole world's back Cleveland. I'm not laying 10 on Cleveland here at home, even though they're the much better team, even though I got a future on them because of how good their defense is. Uh, if anything, I would tease them down, but I'm not looking to bet this game. Rams and Packers. Um, let me ask you this. Are you, you think Jordan Love is not the answer there? Uh, you got to give him, a, you know, got to give him a, at least a year or two to get, you know, get acclimated to everything. But uh, they're not that good. They're not that good. But the Rams ain't that good either. They almost have the same point differential on the season. Stafford's a little banged up. He's got that problem with his hand. Uh, the whole world's going to be betting the Rams here because they've been in some games. I kind of like, I like the Packers here at anything under a field goal. I think they've lost four straight. And I think they bounce back here. I think I think they win this game. Now, when a game like Washington and New England, they just got rid of Montez Sweat and they just got rid of Chase Young. And you got a chance, believe it or not, to go to 500 if you're Washington, but you got to go to New England. And you know Bill's not going to surrender. Nah. Um, that's got to be a tough game to bet, especially with the number that it's at right now because there's so many like sidebar notes here to this. Are Washington and have they surrendered? Is New England going to show up? Are these sometimes more difficult games to handicap than even the other games that people have a vested interest in? Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's, I mean, the, pa the Patriots are a little banged up here too. They got a lot of guys, but you never know with Belichick if he's lying or not. Uh, Washington, I mean, they're selling, right? They're a team that's getting rid of players. So they already know. They're defeated already. They've already surrendered that team. I like New England here. Anything under a field goal. If you get a minus two and a half, there's some two and a halves out in the market. They're juiced. I see two and a half minus 20, minus 25. Anything under a field goal, I think the Patriots win and cover this game. How about this with Chicago? The reason I bring up Chicago and New Orleans is for this factor. You know, I went back and watched Derek Carr. You know, he's not having a bad year, but do you know what he's doing down there this year that's different than even when he was in Las Vegas? He misses so many easy throws. Like, I mean, the lame-ass, easy-ass throw. He's missed so many of them. Yeah, and I think that's kept that New Orleans offense. I think they've been one of the most underachieving teams this year, especially with that schedule they have. So his inconsistency has caused every game to be close or upset losses. Yeah, their defense has kept him in a lot of games. And he, like you said, he's overthrown players. He's underthrown them. Uh, guys wide open, he's completely missed them. So there's something going on, whether it's an injury or something up top, but he's not the same guy he used to be. And like you said, they underperformed. They were supposed to win this division going away. I mean, it, it's a cluster. You know, them, the Buccaneers, the Falcons, they're all right there. Anyone can win this division. Uh, they're supposed to win nine and a half games on the season. They might not get there. 
I laid seven on them just because the Bears are so bad. <laughs> and the line's up to eight and a half. It's actually, it's, I'm seeing some nines in the market. I think the Saints blow this team out uh, at eight and a half. It's in New Orleans, too. Yeah, a lot of the value's been extracted. You know, when a game moves two points, two and a half points, it's tough to bet it. But if you could tease them down, I think I think the Saints get the money this week. One of the big games on the schedule this weekend, Seattle at Baltimore. Seattle's made some moves, man. They got the D, they got they just traded for that defensive tackle. Yeah. Baltimore looks like they're playing great. You know, Baltimore could be the best team in the NFL right now. I mean, the way they're playing, they're mm-hmm. playing like one of the better teams, like Philly and San Francisco. They're they're in that con- if I were actually right now, Godfather, say who is that third best team in the league, along with those other two? I'd say the Ravens. Yeah, they're playing great football, and you know the public knows that they've won three in a row. Two weeks ago, they they blew out uh, what was it, Detroit? Yep. So the public's going to be all over the Ravens right now. Last time I checked, I talked to a couple guys offshore in Vegas. Seventy percent of the tickets right now are on Baltimore, so the public loves this team. And I'm not looking to be on the public side here. If the game gets to seven, I'll have a real big wager on Seattle plus seven. People talk about how great this Ravens defense is, but this Seattle defense is really sneaky. They're top five. An opponent yards per play and tenth an opponent points per game, and they're going to get better. And uh, you know, Pete Carroll's got some tricks up his sleeve. So I, I like Seattle here. If it gets to seven at plus six, I still like him, but it's a much bigger bet at plus seven for me. This is a complete dog shit game, Giants and Raiders. I don't know, man. Yeah, you stay away from ga- things like that. It depends if if there's some matchups, if, if there's some big injuries on the offensive line. Some when the, you see a game like that, are you more apt to go prop bet versus straight up bets here over under point spread and such? It depends where the edge is at, man. If we can find an edge, we're looking to exploit it and get down as much as possible and bet it as big as we can. If we don't find an edge, I'm not going to bet something just to bet it. You know, I mean, we're betting to win. We're not betting just to gamble. You know, we invest in these teams each and every week. We do our research and uh, we try and make some money. This game. It opened up two and a half. It's down to as low as one and a half in some spots. There's some sharp money on on the Giants here, which is a little surprising. Uh, majority of the public's betting in Vegas early right now. About sixty percent of the tickets are on uh, on the Raiders here. Uh, come game day, you probably see some more action. Nobody likes to bet on the Giants this year, and they might surprise some people in this game. I don't care about any Carolina. How about this one? Buffalo at Cincinnati and. I'll tell you, man, I saw Burrow make some plays last week against San Francisco. Boy, they look like they're back in uh, in rhythm again. And, yeah, I mean, they look really good. The record, I don't think, is really an indicator on how good that team is. And now you got Buffalo. And I'll say this to you, too, about Buffalo last week. This is going to be a hell of a quarterback matchup. That's the most efficient I've ever seen Josh Allen play an NFL football game was last week and how great he was. And you know what they did? They went they went no huddle. They went quick tempo. They didn't get another team an opportunity to get personnel settings against them. I think Ken Dorsey and, and Josh Allen are figuring it out. But this is going to be a hell of a matchup in Cincinnati. I mean, the Bengals are playing such good football that they got better odds than the Bills and the Ravens to win the Super Bowl right now. So odds makers are giving the Bengals a bunch of respect and let's be honest, I mean, it's Mahomes and Joe Burrow, right? I, to me, they're the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. Then it's everybody else. And people love to talk about Jalen Hurts and Tua. And they're having great seasons. And they're probably, you know, one or two in the MVP race. But we're talking about Joe Burrow, man. This guy has taken his Bengals team 
to the Super Bowl with one of the worst offensive lines in history. Last year, he took him deep in the playoffs with another bad offensive line. He makes things happen. And they got a lot of weapons on that team. They're starting to gel. I like the Bengals here. I think they beat the Bills. I, I, I don't think Jalen Hurts is better than Josh Allen or Joe Burrow. No, no. It's not even close. But I mean, he's a different type of quarterback. Yeah, just different. Yeah, yeah. He, he he's an amazing athlete. I'm not talking bad about him. No, he's that he's he gives you it's different ways to win. But if you got to beat someone with your arm and you got to come back and you're trailing by you know 14 or so, those two guys are going to bring you back. I don't know if Hurts can do that for you. Let me do some college games here. Um, Notre Dame, Clemson. Tough game. Tough game. Uh, I didn't bet it yet. Man, it's tough going against Notre Dame. They've they looked really good. Uh, they played Ohio State tough. Clemson has – they've had <laughs> brain cramps in a bunch of games. They've lost some close games, turnovers. It's tough going down there and winning, though. And Florida State, you, you know, the game went to overtime. They were lucky to beat Clemson uh, down there. Uh, if I had to pick a team here, give me the points. Give me Clemson plus the points here. How about a surprising Missouri team that's had a spectacular season under the radar? People aren't really looking at them. Not saying that they're going to beat Georgia, but that number's awful high there. I mean, you'd probably bet the number here, no, trying to how, – um, how big is the number against Georgia? I think it was last time I checked it was 15 and a half. I'm looking for it now. Okay, well, that's wow, that's closer than I thought. That's a big number still. I mean, especially coming off that big win Georgia had last week. They looked very efficient. Carson Beck's looking a lot better than he did. That defense is starting to gel, but – Missouri's tough, man. You're talking about more than two touchdowns in college football. Could be a letdown spot for Georgia. If anything, I'd take Mizzou plus a 15 and a half. You know what? You can even wait. I think that line's going to go up even higher. Public's going to be all over Georgia. If you can grab 17, that's a that's a good bet. Take the dog. How about this OU Oklahoma State game in Stillwater? Well, I didn't hear you. What's that, Dan? How about the Oklahoma, Oklahoma State game in Stillwater? <sighs> man. Uh, Rivalry game, it's the last one, too, because. OU's going to the Southeastern Conference. Yeah. I mean, you get six points, I think, on Oklahoma State last time I checked. It's a lot of points for a home dog. Uh, I hate giving out picks that I haven't bet. You know, I don't. I like putting my money where my mouth is. If I didn't bet the game, I don't like giving out an opinion. Uh, but the market's telling you Oklahoma State's the right side here. If you grab six on Oklahoma State, you probably cash a ticket. Are you buying Oregon as one of the best teams in the country? And do you think, again, when – Look, this Cal team plays a lot of teams close. They've done a pretty nice job this year with Coach Smith. But still, boy, this I'll tell you what, this Bo Nix kid who transferred from um, Auburn has really put them on the map. And I'll tell you, man, Oregon looks like a Oregon looks like a really good football team. I know they dropped that game to Washington. They should have beat them. They should have beat, beat them, but they're good. They're really good. And, and they still got – their odds went from plus, I think, 400 to plus 155 to make the playoffs. So – there's some sharp people expecting Washington to trip up, and if they do, Oregon can sneak in there. They got one of the better defenses in college football. Bo Nix is what six to one to win the Heisman. He's having an amazing season. Oregon's uh, Oregon's a tough out, man, and don't be surprised if you see him in the playoffs this year if Washington trips up. Washington has a tough three game stretch here. Uh, yeah, Southern Cal. Yeah, I like I like Oregon. I like Oregon. How about USC and Washington? It's at Southern Cal. I think it's in the Coliseum. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's something about this game. Game is really funny to me. I, the line should have been higher. It's three points. Wow, it's that's only three it. Points. Yeah, USC. USC like, can't play defense. That's what I mean. 
And Washington over the last three, four weeks, they've been winning, but they haven't been really impressive. I think I think USC has got a chance to beat them. Outscore them? They're going to put up some points. The total is 77 on the game. I mean, it's up there. I, I like USC. If you can get them anything over a field goal, plus three and a half, I like USC here. It's a buy low spot for USC, and you're buying high on Washington. I hope Washington does win the game, uh, you know, because I got futures on them to win the Pac-12 at five to one. But uh, I think USC covers the spread here. Oregon State's had a pretty surprising year here, and they've done a really nice job. They go to Boulder, and they take on Dion. Dion, and that team has kind of been like floundering around a little bit. I mean, last week the quarterback almost got killed. And, I mean, there's a lot of excuses coming around with Colorado. Uh, they got killed. I think it was, what was it, UCLA beat him, beat him up pretty good. The quarterback took a lot of hits. Do you know it's the most penalized team also in the country? Are the Buffaloes? So I mean, Oregon State go into Boulder and beat them up. I mean, the line was twelve and a half. It reached as high as thirteen and a half. And as soon as it hit fourteen, there was some sharp money on the dog. It took Colorado plus fourteen. So uh, it's a big number. I think Colorado can hang around at anything over fourteen. Uh, they still got some weapons. They still got you know they can still put up some points. Uh, they still got that you know that home field, man. I mean that's tough. You know it's tough playing up there at that altitude. I think 14 points is way too much. It's back down to 13. At 13, I wouldn't bet it, but if it gets back to 14, I like the dog plus 14 there. Philly's favorite coach of all time, Chip Kelly, UCLA, baby, versus Arizona. Judd, I'll tell you what, Jed Fish, man, he's got that team playing pretty fair. I mean, Arizona's not a world beater, but they can they can put up some points and score. And you know what the folks in Philly think of their favorite coach, Chip Kelly. He's got UCLA rolling, man. I mean, what do you Arizona's like? going to beat him. Arizona's, Arizona's a better team. Wrong team's favored here. Arizona's going to be. You're getting three. Arizona's favored? No, US, UCLA's oh. favored, but the wrong team's favored. Arizona beats them. Take the three. Take the money line. This team should be 6-1. and one. They're 5-3. and three. They lost two games in overtime. Uh, Arizona's going to beat this team. You think they're going to upset UCLA? Okay. Yeah, they're beating them. You're beating them in Tucson. Oh, all right. Godfather, one more time, just tell me what you're taking in the Eagle-Cowboy game so the good friends get a chance to understand that you're all about money, not about favoritism here. I love the Eagles. When they won the Super Bowl, it was one of the happiest moments in my life and my kids' life. We waited so long for that Super Bowl. There's never going to be another Nick Foles walking through that door to save us. Jalen Hurts isn't the guy to win the Super Bowl. Take the Cowboys. Take the Cowboys. <laughs> take the Cowboys in the three, right? Yeah, take the three. Take them on the money line, too. They win the game. Cowboys in the three, and you heard it first here. Jalen Hurts will never win a Super Bowl. <laughs> Tell the folks how they can get your shows and where to find you this weekend. And all the great work that you do. Uh, we joke around a lot. And listen, man, I, I hope the Eagles find a way to win it. But it's going to be a tough game against the Cowboys this week. Follow me on Twitter, at Philly Godfather. You can stop by my website, thephillygodfather.com. And we got the sports betting show on SiriusXM, SportsGrid, Jacob Media on uh, YouTube. And uh, we, we, we live stream it on my uh, Twitter account, at Philly Godfather. <laughs> i love it hey man have a great weekend we'll catch you next week godfather i appreciate it man good luck guys
You got it, man. Seven and one versus the spread. Wow, is this going to be a contested Monday, man? I can't wait. Hit the like button. We got to take a timeout. Keep it here on the National Football Show. and Hooters, the perfect pair. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. going to be glorious. Oh, it's going to be glorious. Oh my God. This is going to be incredible. All right. How many yards does Jalen Hurts throw for? I'm, I'm going to keep all of this. How can I keep hitting the like button when you bring that guy on your show? Love you, Sills. But get him out of here forever. 
Philly, so what do you do? You like to sit around people that like to tell you what you want to hear every day? If that was the case, you wouldn't be in here. So do you want me to apply that to you? I should only have people in here that agree with me? Once again, Philly, why don't you apply that to yourself? You see how he does that? He, he wants people in here that agree with him instead of people that have an opinion. So if I applied his, his opinion, he wouldn't be in here. But I, I, I love you in here. Okay? And I don't want you to agree with me. 500 yards. That's the kind of shit I'm talking about. Keon 315. 315. Love you too, Scotty. It's all good. 275. <laughs> look at LJ. They told him, look at LJ. I defended Sills on Twitter yesterday. Had to shower twice after. So epic of a take. <laughs> so epic of a take. He's a money guy. 310. All right. Hertz won't ever win a Super Bowl, huh? We better not see him at the parade. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, we better not see him at the parade, Big Sills. Okay. Hold on here. This is what I think Jalen Hurts throws for. 114 yards. No. <laughs> I think Jalen Hurts throws for 263 yards. How many yards does Dak Prescott throw for? Philly dumbass. Funny. 350 for Hertz. I say it's 363 for Jalen. Jalen, let me write that. Jalen. Ninety-nine, ninety, one seventy-nine. I say for Dak throws for two forty-four. One twenty. I say Dak Prescott throws for 343 yards versus the Cowboys. Shit. If Sam Howell could throw for 400, I mean, I got to think. I, I, I got to think that that Dak could throw for 343 versus worst, one of the worst defensive pass defenders in the league. Right? How many turnovers does Hurts have in this game? Yes. Yes, Cosmo. You'll get a fly Eagles fly from me if they win. And by the way, I picked the Eagles to win 24-21. Okay? But if they win, you will get a fly Eagles fly. Okay, yes. Okay, how many turnovers? I say 
Maniac, you too, brother. I don't think Hurts is going to have the turnover. I think that bum Gamewell is. Remember I said that. I think that bum Gamewell is going to have a turnover. But I don't think Jalen's going to have a turnover in this game. He's going to take care of the ball in this ball game. I'm with Tone on this. I don't think he turns it over. I think the guy who turns the ball over in this game, and I think it will be a critical turnover in the game, and I think Dak is going to get crucified on Monday for his turnover, I say he has one. And it's going to be just like last week with Sam Howell. Sam Howell's interception was the interception that was in the critical part of the game when Washington was driving and having an opportunity to win that football game. And he turned it over and they took advantage of it. That's why I say it's 24-21. Eagles. Dak throws for a ton of yards because he has to. I don't believe they'll be able to get the running game going. I think Pollard will be under 60. And 45, 50 yards, is that going to be enough to move the sticks on third down and keep you out of third and short? I don't think so. 24-21. And by the way, Dak doesn't play the better game because he throws for 343. Jalen plays the better game because Jalen doesn't have any turnovers. That's the better game. What a great weekend. College ball Saturday, Eagles and Cowboys on Sunday. You got Buffalo and Cincinnati. You got Seattle, Baltimore, Miami, Kansas City, all in windows we can all watch. Should be a fabulous time. And as Tone said, a glorious Monday potentially could be shaken out here. So, guys, thank you so much for all you've done. This week, you guys were fantastic. By the way, you guys with that one post, that's up to 500,000K already. Thank you, James. You did such a great job. Hey, man, we'll catch you Monday going two to six. Tone, spectacular stuff as always, man. Love you, man. Thank you so much. We will see you Monday, and we will also see you on the flip side. Hooters, the perfect pair.